He straightened in the saddle, feeling a strange thrill. They had arrived. What the hell? Hello, friends. I don't. I don't know. For, feel like that was too long for the theme song. It went. Hi. Great. What's hi. up, internet? My name's Nerdy. And I'm Clarus. And this is the Nerdy. The Wordy. The book club. <laughs> from our basement. Yeah. Always. Yeah. From our basement. Yeah. Um, we uh we we did some some dunda last night. That's right. You're probably you thinking did. this looks different. Oh god. Wait. Uh, I need to. Are you trying to raise that? that up? This is um this is where all of our streaming stuff is because we are doing the roleplay relay live this Saturday, November twenty fifth. Hell yeah! Roleplay yeah. relay two, benefiting a cause called Cap for Kids, which financially supports families whose children have pediatric cancer. Uh, it's an incredible cause, uh, and we are so happy to be partnered up with them. But uh, we had to do a test of all the equipment last night, in order to make sure that you know see what equipment we might need by Saturday, see if this was going to work. It did. It worked. It was you, a very yeah. fun stream. It was honestly great. I was not playing. Um, we invited some of our friends. The only one who's not in Relay 2 uh, was Shalish, because mm -hmm. uh, she can't make it. But she was playing last night. Um, Y'all, it was very funny. It was a great time. I was cackling. Like, I, yeah. I, it was It was so much fun. So that's on the channel. If you want to go watch it, you want to scratch that d d itch, uh, very, very worth it. Um, it was great. Uh, yeah, no, it was awesome. Um, sorry, this whole, this whole stream is just hard to run because... Yeah, because we don't actually have a computer here. Uh, um, the computer's so over there, the so I'm trying to run there. everything from my iPad. We're going to see how this goes. Yeah, um, it's fine. Yeah, no, it was an incredible stream. I was so grateful. Ba basically, we were like, how can we get four people over to play D&D &D while Claris, like, make sure all the tech works? Uh, and the way that we did that mm -hmm. uh, was we just asked uh, all of our friends who live together... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to bring their like, house guys, to our house. Come, uh, come D and D with us. Um, and also, our incredible editor Brandon was here to help run everything. Uh, he's going to be helping on uh, Saturday as well. Uh, we are we are only a few days uh, from from the roleplay relay too, which is very exciting. We are also now live on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, and we're going to be doing that from now on on all of our live streams. So if you want, if you prefer the uh, operation of Twitch. Twitch interface. The Twitch interface, if you will. Uh, you can now watch us in two different places uh, and soon coming to TikTok as well. I think we're going to try and stream from all three. Yeah. This actually looks great. This setup? Yeah. It, and it honestly, it's kind of more comfy than our room. Is it? Are we just going to build another computer to keep down here? I don't know. I kind of dig this. It's fun. Yeah. You don't have, the, like, the lights, like, directly in your eyes. It's further away, and it's higher up, so yeah. I don't... And it's also a nicer light with the yeah. softbox. It could probably be turned down a little bit, like, it's... But yeah, like, it could. Yeah, we... Guys, we look good. We look yeah. good. Um, I would love to hear from chat, how how are we sounding? Yeah, we could move the mic closer if necessary. Mm -hmm. uh, just let us know, uh, because, obviously, we... It's just the two of us. We don't have Brandon here to help run all those extra things. Um, we also don't have Twitch chat up. So, hi, Twitch, if you're over there um, mm -hmm. and you do want to chat, uh, you can throw that in the YouTube chat and we will see We'll have that, this solved but... for next time, but for today, it's uh, I don't have my laptop. I was going to run both, but for today, it is going to be YouTube chat only. Sorry. It's going to be so many screens. If we, like, do this setup permanently, it's going to be, like, YouTube, Twitch, and then, like, my phone for, like, modding if we need it. Like, 
Well, but I can mod from the computer. True, that's true. My laptop is easier to mod from. Uh, anyway, this is Book Club. We're finally talking about... Oh my god. Give me a second. It's heavy. <laughs> Murtag. This book is big. She's beefy. She's she's a thick girl. Yeah, we read this entire book in a day and a half uh, so that we could talk to Christopher Paolini about that. If you missed that interview, it is currently on the YouTube channel, so uh, go take a look at it. But yeah, this was a lot of reading. It was a lot of reading. Yeah. Um, I uh, reread the first half for a book club this week because I, I didn't wanted have time. to... No, that's fine. I just had the audiobook on and I wanted a refresh. Mm -hmm. Um... The original plan for this book club was that we were going to n not have read the whole thing in week one, and so we could, like, predict and stuff like that, but the opportunity to interview Christopher Paolini was too enticing, yes. and... Uh, and he wanted to talk about the book yes, in a whole. Yes, he wanted yeah. to talk about Murtag, and we were like, okay, great, we can make that happen, so I'm very glad that we did, but... Me too. Um, it does mean that, like, we know how the book ends, so we can't, we can't do the prediction stuff. Um, but that's okay. Whatever we decide to book club in December. Yeah. We'll do it. We'll do that. Yeah. Clarus, uh, mm -hmm. before we get into everything else, we do have some housekeeping for today. Uh, and the main piece of housekeeping is that this stream is brought to you by MistyMountainGaming.com. Hell yeah. Uh, Misty Mountain there are Misty Mountain Gaming dice over there, but I can't get to them easily. Don't worry uh, about it. <laughs> they are a dice and D&D accoutrement company mm -hmm. that allows for you to feel good, sexy, hot, Wonderful, amazing. While you play the titterpurges, the titterpurges, the titterps, the titterps, the titterps. If you want to play a titterpga with your friends, you should go to missmountgaming.com and use the coupon code nerdy nightly fifteen for fifteen percent off your order. Go get yourself some dice. Yeah, they also have a Black Friday sale on right now, so go get the ones that you want before they're gone. Because, like, honestly, by Friday they probably will be. Yeah, I think they have a. Buy three, get one free yeah, dice Yeah, three deal. dice. Guys, girl math is that you save money if you get three sets because you get one for free. The other thing, and uh -huh. unfortunately this does not coincide with uh, Black Friday because I believe their de deal will be done by this, but if you do come to the Roleplay Relay and you do donate, if you go to the Tiltify link right now uh, and you donate, you will actually be entered into a raffle to win $100 of Missy Mountain Gaming Dice. Not once. Nine raffles. We are going to be giving away a $100 gift card to MissMountainGaming.com every single hour this Saturday uh, at uh, the Roleplay Relay 2. But now it's time to talk about Murtag. Close, uh, first half of the book, how'd you feel about it? Oh, do you want to show this off? Uh, these, you can't have these. You can't have these them. these Santa trophies, there's, uh, I believe, eight of them that nine, our players maybe? can win. Maybe nine. Um, this one is chat's favorite. Yes. So on Saturday, at the end of the night, uh, there will be a poll... Uh, and everyone who's donated will be able to vote on that poll. And I think that'll just be in YouTube. No, it's on Tiltify. You can do polls on... Yeah. Okay, great. Didn't All know the that. polls on Saturday will be on Tiltify. Gotcha. Um, because we are trying to raise money, and so yes. we'll do it there. Any uh, amount helps. So if you do donate, you'll be able to vote uh, for chat's favorite, and you'll be able to give a Santa statue to someone. Uh, we also have statues for who does the most damage to Santa Claus, mm -hmm. who kills Santa Claus, the killer gets the Santa Slay yeah. award. Uh, mm -hmm. It's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, we, we've got a bunch of awards. Some of them are kind of fun and silly. Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, we wanted to do something fun for, for the people who are giving their time this Saturday to complete D&D with us. Mm -hmm. um, also, Blue, welcome back to the Nerd Table. Blue, thank you for joining uh, back up. It's been 22 months. I Yeah, I know. <laughs> Trust me, I know. 
That feels crazy. I opened the Wheel of Time or the Nerdy Wordy Book Club playlist yep. on YouTube and it was like 136 videos. I was crazy. like, crazy. That, that does make sense. Yeah, yeah. Close, how'd you feel about the first half of Mertag? Um, the. <laughs> Um, what was that noise? There, there's so much like fun, like silly stuff in in the first half, like Mukma the fish. Yeah. Um, I found like funny, like obviously it was like dangerous, and like he was like, like you know the fact that like Durza made him was kind of dark and fucked up. Um, but like the just, hilarious, <laughs> just Murtag fighting a fish to me was very funny. I liked it because it allowed for the book. We'll get to it when we get there, but I, I felt like it allowed for the book to have a, like, dragon-sized threat, a uh, physical threat. Yeah. Um, which the, the rest of the book kind of doesn't, right? Uh, the, the threats in this book are usually more emotional and more mental and more, like, wisdom saves yeah. than they are uh, physical saves. Uh, so I feel like having the Muckmaw fight uh, takes the pressure off of the second half of the book a little bit in terms of having the big action sequence yeah. against the thing that the dragon can fight. Yeah, yeah. I also really enjoyed that um, Murtag thinks that the name of names is kind of just like a be-all, end-all mm -hmm. power. You know, he's like, I've leveled up. I've reached level 100. There's nothing past here. But he didn't realize that you can go legendary mode and uh, start over. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he like uses, he tries to use the name of names t twice, and it, and it fails miserably. First with, um, uh... Well, I fucking can't remember what the villain's name is. Yeah. Car it starts with a C, I'm pretty sure. Uh, with Essie, when he's with Essie and yeah, yeah. Uh, gives her the fork. But then also later with Mukma, because um, Durza, Durza's dead, but Durza's still wily. Um, do you think Durza has left any other surprises in Allegasia? Um, Yeah, I, I would assume so. I, I think that everyone who uses magic has left something behind. Uh, you know, I, I think that Arya clearly left the floating boats of grass. Yeah. Uh, and the spirits have left behind the golden lilies, mm -hmm. which reappear in this section this week. Yeah. Uh, and so, I, yeah, I think that that was just um, Christopher Paolini giving himself room to have threats like this in the future without having to worry about uh, the narrative implications of explaining them away in, like, a new way. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, he's kind of given himself... In a in a thing a way that I think is intelligent is like oh I'm going to put myself in a position where my world has the like opposite of the lilies and of the boats right because those are these like beautiful pieces of magic that are lingering mm -hmm. what is the like um, moral opposite of those yeah Mukma is kind of you know literally the like moral opposite of the floating boat and I think that by setting that up here when he does want to go back to an Aragon story and kind of set up like, what is Aragon fighting? Uh, we're, we're kind of like, oh, is Aragon going to find this? There, there's like a level of temptation and, and risk associated with Aragon returning to the, the fight yeah. beyond just whatever um, might be up with the dreamers. And, and, and so that just makes the world feel a little bit more full, right? There's not one enemy in this world. Yeah. Uh, it's not like Galbatorx is dead and all the evil left. And I think that that's what the first half of this book really does really well, right? You establish from the beginning that, yes, Naswad is in charge, and yes, the world has changed, and yes, Aragorn did kind of save the day. But at the same time, you cannot fully root out corruption. It is so hard. Yeah. L look at um, 
this actually reminded me a lot of Nazi Germany and what happened in Germany after that, Mm -hmm. where a lot of people are descended from Nazis that did not go to prison. Yeah. Because there were, it was the Nazi party, like it it was the government of Germany. Yeah. And it's not like the allies and the Russians went in and wiped out all Germans, right? There was a certain amount of uh, play that had to happen in terms of who did like the really bad stuff Mm -hmm. and who was a Nazi that we're not going to, you know, execute. Yeah. And how does the society move forward where some of those people are going to behave as if they're fine with the transition, but really aren't, right? There is a difficulty in rooting out corruption because there are always going to be people who you miss. Mm-hmm. Who are like going, Lyrith. Like Lyrith. Yeah. Who are going to have had more power before and miss the old days. Even if yeah. it was a worse world, it wasn't a worse world for them, right? Yes. And so they... They, they benefited from everyone else's pain. A thousand percent. And I, I thought that... You know, we'll, we'll talk about the first and the second halves of the book and how they're very different in terms of what they talk about. Yeah. This first book to me really was about how does the corruption of Galbatorix still bleed through into the world of Allegasia? Mm-hmm. And what can a very powerful man do about it? Oh, wait, it's not much. I also have a feeling that Galbatorix, and I don't know this, mm-hmm. but I have a feeling that Galbatorix was um, responsible for people's view of the Urgles. Um, not solely. Um, but I mean, you know, Murtag's like, oh, I thought they lived in caves. Right? Like, I'm yeah, sure yeah. that Galbatorix was happy to push a narrative that served his purposes that was completely untrue about the Urgles. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Urgles are a violent race. Like, they, you know, they they definitely, like, have attacked people and, and done, like, bad things. Like, they, they have hurt people. But I think that Galbatorix, like, used that to his advantage um, and really, like, um, use them almost as, like, a scapegoat, I guess, is the yeah. is, is the right word for it. Because um, people don't... Uh, obviously, um, we know that Galbatorix, like, curated um, education, um, at least for people in Urubin and yeah. for Murtag. Um, and we know that, like, he, like, burned certain books. Like, Domir Aberwirda is, like, was a banned book inside of Allegasia. Hilarious that it's, like, very common outside. Like, Jode is like, yeah, there's, like, six copies in this camp. It's not worth anything anymore. Uh, that was very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but has has absolutely no problem manipulating manipulating the narrative around, like, himself and making himself look better. Um, and, the like, the history of how things happened. Obviously, we know that Brom telling the story about the riders is, like the death penalty yeah um and and um yeah having uh Murtag have that moment where he like flies over the Urgul villages and is like oh that like looks pretty normal mm-hmm. actually i thought you know that they were like a savage race that lived in caves and they're they're actually like kind of not that um yeah I, I i think we should get back to starting at the beginning yeah but i want to jump off that point from the very beginning of this book with Essie and with the town. Mm-hmm. I, I think that what we see is that Murtag has changed a lot since Inheritance. Mm-hmm. It's been a year. Uh, Murtag and Thorn are still on their Rumspringa up north trying to stay away from people and do their own thing. Yeah. Um, but the, the needs of the world have brought them back a little bit. Uh, the needs of uh, supplies and life, you know. Uh, Murtag, uh, you know, I think that Thorn would be better off living out in the wild by himself. Murtag is a human. Uh, we are social animals. I don't think that he could really survive forever like that. Yeah. Um, and stay sane. 
uh, even with Thorn in his head, I feel like there is just something about that, like, person-to-person communication that we all need. And he says, like, being away from people has, like, made him jumpier and, yeah. like, uncomfortable in cities. And so uh, we start with Murtag, but we start with Murtag in a different place where he is far more inquisitive a character than he was in the original books, partially because he didn't have room to be, but also... Or a POV. Because when we meet him in Aragon, he is coming from uh, education that has convinced him of a certain thing about the world, right? Mm -hmm. He is so sure of himself and of the world that he lives in. He is ju just knows he doesn't really want to participate in it because Galbatorx obviously has treated him very poorly. This Murtag has had that world that he was so sure of and so educated in shattered by the events of the books, partially his own actions. And we meet him kind of on the road with Thorn with this idea of trying to figure out what it actually means to be a part of this world now, mm. now that the regime that he grew up in and didn't know anything else is gone. Yeah. And he goes into a little town. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And Thorn is like, don't fuck up. Pretty much. Um, I love that, like, both Thorne and Sephira, to their writers, are like, every time you leave me, bad shit happens. Why can't you just fucking keep your nose out of... St and it, it, it yeah. Um, thematically, uh, Murtag and Aragon are very similar in that way, and I find that hilarious. Um, and, and Thorne <laughs> and Sephira are very similar in that way, but the relationship between Aragon and Sephira and the relationship between Thorne and Murtag is so immediately different. Oh, yeah, and I love that. Yeah. I love that, like, the, the, the writer's bond is not just the same every time. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I love the variety in it. Like, I can imagine that, like, Ormus and Glader's relationship was, as well, vastly different. Yeah. Um, even though we don't really get much of an insight um, into it. But... I also... It made me really want to know what Arya and Fernand's relationship is. Yeah. And, like, how, how do they interact with one another... Yes. Uh, ...through their bond. I do hope that we get that answer at some point. Yeah. When, when we were talking to Christopher Paolini, he was like, yeah, I'm trying to kind of alternate between doing a Fractalverse book and then an Allegasia book. And he was like, but, like, Murtag is doing, like, way <laughs> better than we thought thought it would but i'm making so, money yeah well he was like if this is what people are more interested in mm -hmm. then like that's probably where i'll try and spend a little bit more of my time obviously like i know he he wants to do more fractal of our stuff and he's not gonna just like stop yeah um but uh yeah yeah fun little um Fun little tidbit. Hopefully, maybe we get some uh, some more Allegasia stuff before too long. Blue, thank you for gifting five Blue. dang membos to the community. Thank you so Appreciate much. That. That's Let's very go. kind of you. We got some green in this chat. We'll um we'll be able to have subscribers on uh, Twitch again soon as well. Uh, we just right. I, we need to stream five more times on Twitch. Right. Uh, and then we'll be able to <laughs> turn that on. Yeah, didn't think about that. Uh, yeah, we're not affiliated over there anymore, but. Um, forgot. Oops. I didn't forget. I knew. I just, I thought you only had to stream three times. Mm -hmm. So my goal was to stream three times this week and then, but you actually have to stream uh, seven times in a month now to affiliate. Oh, well. Uh, and then. so, yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, that's fine. I'm just going to have like Twitch on my phone just in case there's anything over there. Oh, I we think, can just uh, like I think have Twitch chat. Fabu is over there. So Fabu, hi. Fabu, what's up, you dang nerd? Yeah, use that. That's more sturdy. There we go. There we go. Look, <laughs> we're figuring it out. We're professionals. Yeah, yeah. So um, I said that I was going to be reading 
uh, Fork Witch and the Worm before this. Unfortunately, getting all of this set up, that did not happen. Uh, so, Klaus, uh, this original uh, section of the book uh, in Siunan mm-hmm. uh, takes place... Siunan, right? Yeah. Did I make that up? No, I think that's right. It's Siunan and Gilead today, right? Yep, Siunan. Siunan uh, in Siunan is from... It is a short story in the Fork of the Witch and the Worm. It's the Fork story, the first one. Yes. But in that, it is from Aragorn seeing the perspective of Essie through dragons using magic to scry through people's eyes. Pretty much, yeah. Cool. Um, the So basically, uh, if you haven't read the short stories, um, I definitely recommend it. It's very short. Like, a, it's, it's just a little book. It's very easy read. Um... Um, but, like, the first story is very much related to Murtagan, so we are going to talk about it. Um, I don't think it's spoilers to say that it's the exact same scene, just mm-hmm. from, like, a different POV. And, like, that's cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, basically, uh, the the fourth Witch and Worm starts off where Aragon has much paperwork. He's a very busy lad. Um, and is stressed about it. Um, and Saphira's like, go take a break. And he's like, mm, I don't want to. And she was like, now! And he's like, okay. Um, and he goes to the Eldenari, um, and they're like, yeah, you know how we kind of, like, watched you guys in the land? Like, we kind of, like, keep keep abreast of all the things that are going on mm-hmm. so that we don't get surprised by enemies. That's not important. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, do you want to see some stuff that we see? <laughs> and so the Eldenari show him, from Essie's perspective, the same scene that we get, uh, from Murtag's perspective in Murtag, where Murtag, uh, comes into the inn, grabs himself a table, and, uh, Essie comes in very upset, um, grabs some food and sits down nearby, uh, and they have a little chat about Essie's problems. <laughs> they have a little cute little therapy session where, you know, she talks about how there's this nasty mean Jordis, 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 some, some, uh, sure. Well, somewhere along those lines. Uh, very mean, very mean lady. Uh, she's... Um, There's a lot of mean ladies in this book. Yeah, she's kind of a bully. Um, and uh, Essie's having a hard time because uh, she thought that Jordis was, like, going to be her friend and invited her to her party. And um, she made Essie embarrass her friend in front of everybody. And I love how, like, serious Murtag takes everything that Essie says. Yeah. Um, including that, you know, she's she's going to run away. Um, and that she thinks that that's, like, the only thing that she can do so that uh, her bully stops bullying her. <laughs> um, and I, I thought that this was, like... It's, it's such a, like, a, a sweet moment. Mm-hmm. Because the scale of Alagasia is very large, right? Yeah. And having, like, this small moment it fe- obviously it feels so large to Essie right this is her entire life in the grand scheme of things you know it's it's one of those things when you realize like your problems in relation to the rest of the world are not that not that crazy most of the time <laughs> yeah it, but 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 they feel like it, right? Like, yeah. Essie's, Essie's problems and don't feel any smaller to her than Murtag's. No, and Murtag takes that seriously, yeah. which I love. I love so much because he he does have a line, and I don't remember. I think it's in this half of the book where he says if he ever had children, he would want their formative years to be filled with love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, And that was so sad. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, and and this is where the the the, the this book and that story bl- blend a little bit, and yeah. I think that we get a more fleshed out version of that story. This yeah. time, it's from Murtag's point of view. Uh, he has gone into Sionon to get this um, to get information, yeah. essentially, uh, from uh, contact cervix? that he's meeting. Cer- 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 yeah, yeah, from cervix. Uh, yeah. he, he's gone into the cervix, uh, and we, we get this, um, this beautiful relationship that immediately forms between him and Essie, and, uh, we be- see the beginnings of what happens several times throughout the series, which is that Murtag's heart is really won over by children. There is, yes. a deep hole in him from where... Saros. Saros, that's it. There it is. Uh, there's a deep hole in him from where his childhood was taken from him. Yeah. Uh, th- this period of his life that is missing. And I think that he immediately, it's so clear that he wants to foster and maintain that for as many other kids as he can. Yeah. Because he didn't have it. Yeah. And I, I think that this book is a lot about Murtag trying to deal with the trauma of his youth. Yeah. And his way of, I think, healing that for himself is preserving youth for people who do not need to grow up as quickly as he did. Yeah. Even though he does give the girl a fork that can murder people. Um, yes. I made a funny TikTok about it. It is a funny TikTok. Thank you. Uh, and so we, we get this sort of first volley of the relationship between Murtek has between himself and children. Yeah. And the lengths that he will go for kids, which is the end of the earth. Yes. And the end of his own life. Will do anything. Yeah. To save a child. He's the most easily manipulatable person if you just have kids involved. Which is so interesting uh, because it really puts into perspective the ending of Inheritance. Mm-hmm. When Galbatorix has those two random children in the room, right? Was that really to sway Aragon or was that to keep Murtag in check? Both. Bo- both. Both, probably, yeah. Because Galbatorix knows Murtag's true name and I'm Thought sure that... Well, did, did uh, it, like, until a certain point, right? He, I think Murtag's true know. name has changed before he enters that room. I think his true name changes in the conversation with Naswada. Yes, yes, it, but it, he doesn't realize it, like, until the moment he's speaking with Aragon. Oh, sure, 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 yeah, yeah. Like, it, yeah, it definitely could have changed, like, b- before that, but, it, yeah, there is a moment where he realizes it, and I, I think that, I think that, like... The do, doing anything to protect the innocence of a child is, is part of that. And yeah. Thorn is the same. Thorn was a baby. Literally. The literal baby that Galbatorix, like, abused. Um, and I just, I, like, I love Murtag. And I think uh, writing a book about him, uh, stellar idea. I think yeah. that a lot of people really love his character. And I'm, I've been so happy to get insight into it. And as well as Thorns. Like, Thorn is hilarious. Mm-hmm. I, like, I... I love him as a character. Um, I just want to, like, hold him and protect him at all costs, even though he's a dragon and he doesn't need to be protected. Um, but, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> Essie uh, counts her tale of woe while Murtag is waiting for Saros. Um, and, and Saros comes in. Um, yeah. And is like, I have this stone that stinks. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Murtag's like, okay, where'd you get it? And the guy's like, nah, give me all your money. <laughs> and Murtag's like, fuck. I, I I definitely should not have been waving around this much gold yeah. so flippantly. It's a, a shakedown. Yeah, in a Rubain, I'm sure that that was not, like, like he, he could flaunt a measure of wealth yeah. with a certain safety 
like, uh, or at least a guide well, for safety. But in he was always safe, right? Like, yeah. Murtek was never in any real danger, because Galbatorx wanted him to be safe. So I, I think that his like, mental health was in danger, but like, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. he was never gonna die. Um, uh, most likely, anyways. What? I don't know what that tripod is for. Oh, that was for the ring light I brought, or the the light that I brought in. Right. Sorry. Sorry, no, my brain. Uh, yeah. So he uh he does engage in this conversation. He keeps SC for this conversation. Yeah, he's like, nah, she can hang out. Which I think is weird. Uh, but he makes some poor decisions in this book, so we'll get to those. Uh, and uh, the main characters are not perfect. He uh it, it, at the beginning of this conversation, he also kind of realizes that he thinks SC might be um being abused by her parents. And he's like filing that away for later. Gonna figure that out before I yeah, leave. Yeah, she has a, scar, a burn scar on her arm. Yeah, um, that she is very reluctant to talk about, and Murtag thinks that there is more there than she is telling. Uh, and so yeah, they they have this very interesting conversation about the um the warning that it wasn't Glader that gave it to them. It was Umaroth. Umaroth gave yeah. them in Inheritance yeah. about not going to the places where it smells like the the burning of the things the sulfur yeah. brimstone smell not so, a good not a good thing how do you feel about umaroth telling them not to go to the vamp hot springs and enjoying the healing waters healing uh, have you ever been in the vamp hot springs yeah but it's not oh, the vamp hot springs the next day you wake up feeling like a billion dollars it's not the vamp hot springs that's for sure oh in this book no but like <laughs> if you're avoiding the smell of sulfur you're in, you're avoiding earth's hot tubs and, like, that to me is just, I'm like, Umaroth, Sad. man, you gotta be more specific. Because there are some wonderful sulfuric These baths. These ones are good. These ones are bad. Yeah, Golden BC. You're ever driving through the mountains, you stop in Golden BC. They have some of the best fucking, not a spawn, but, like, oh, right. my God, those hot springs. Yeah. I, like, I would live in those hot springs. <laughs> and I would feel, my back would feel so great. You know what I need after standing for four and a half hours of D&D last night? Those fucking hot, hot springs. springs. Yeah. Are we going to go to the spot today? <laughs> I wish we had time. I know. Me too. Oh. Um, yeah. So Umaroth gives this kind of like vague warning. Yeah. Which means that like Umaroth has an idea of what's going on over there. Mm-hmm. And Something it's like, bad. hey, that's dangerous, but we're not, we're just going to leave it alone. We're just going to let it be. I cannot wait to talk about that next week because I think I know why. Ah. I think I know why. Okay. Little tease for next Tuesday, where I hope to God I have more energy than I have today. Um, you're crushing it. <laughs> no, you're crushing it. You're crushing it. Uh, no, I, I, no, I feel like we're doing fine. I just, like, oh my God, last night, last night took it out of me. I will be sitting for relay on Saturday. I will not be standing. Yeah, yeah. Nerdy was like, I think I'm going to, like, stand for relay too, all nine hours of it. And I was like, oh. Are you sure about that? He's like, yeah. I thought, I thought yeah, it was a good yeah. idea. It's yeah. Not. So we tested it last night, and um, he will not, in fact, be standing for nine hours on Saturday. So Saros brings him the rock that uh, is foretold by Umaroth's warning and uh, tries to shake him down, and instead Murtag is like, what if I kill you? Yeah, what if you fuck right off? <laughs> what, um, what if we fight and I win because I am a dragon rider Yeah, but he and does, y'all aren't? He does try and cast a spell at first. Yeah. And Saros is like, you dumbass, I have this skull. And Murtag's like, okay, well, that's fucking weird. And then he says the name of names, and that still doesn't work, which yeah. means that the amulet is enchanted by wordless magic. Very cool. Because yeah. um, it gives it gives a sense of dread towards 
like the the the, the potential villain of the series uh, yep. as someone who is not afraid to uh, fuck around with magic mm-hmm. um, that's that's scary that we know what the consequences of that are like and it's not a good time yeah. um, name and names doesn't work and he's like okay well fuck so he picks up a fork and he casts magic on that and he 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 fights Saros and I think there's like four thugs in the room mm-hmm. with a uh, with a fork this I, I should have asked, um, because when The Fourth Witch and the Worm came out, that would have been a little bit after Jason Bourne. It was 2018. Oh, so that was a long time after Jason Bourne. But I do wonder if Jason Bourne, um, the, the Jason Bourne movies influenced this at all. Because there is a very famous fight scene in that where Jason Bourne uses a pen to kill his enemies. Ah, um, interesting. And it's it's a way of showing off Jason Bourne as being the, like, ultimate threat. Sure. Boom. Uh, and yes, I am aware that Jason Bourne's real name is David Webb. And when I made that my acting name, I forgot about the Jason Bourne movies. And um, <laughs> I named myself after him. Don't worry about Oops. it. It's fine. Please don't sue me, Matt Damon. Oops. Uh, and so, yeah, we get a great little action sequence that I would love to see in the Disney Plus series, season five, directed yes. by, like... Zack Snyder. It's all oh, slow-mo. Oh, Zack Snyder would be great. Oh, like, David Leach. Just give me a real, like, solid action director doing this in a one wonder. You know? None of the none of the chop, cut, edit bullshit from Wheel of Time. I'm oh, talking about a wonder. Yeah. That looks just great because yeah. watching a man dismember and murder four men or three men with a fork would be yeah. rad. Fantastic. While there's just a little girl like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Poor Essie is like, I've never seen death before. Pretty much, yeah. She's, uh, and it's funny because in The Fourth of Witch and the Worm, we're, we're in her perspective. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, the world is a lot scarier than I thought it was. Like, she has this moment where she has never felt unsafe before in her entire life. Mm. She 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 th- talks about the the inn that her parents owns as a place of safety. She's seen her dad use his like truncheon to like you know f- fuck up anyone who's trying to stir up trouble. Like like yeah, yeah. like she believes her dad is capable of anything and that nothing bad can happen in this space that she's in. Mm. Um, and this is the first real moment of like fear that she gets, um, which. Um, you know, influences her decision whether or not to run away, uh, to run from her problems. Um, yeah. Yeah. And we do, this ultimately becomes about Essie, which is what I like about it. I think that if it was just like, hey, look, Murtag got a clue and beat some guys up, it would be fine. Got a clue. But what? Clues, clues. <laughs> we just got a fork. We just got, got a fork. fork. We just got a fork. I'll shove it in your eye. I mean, yeah, that'll do it. Uh, th- this scene is not ultimately about the fight. It is about Murtag's relationship with Essie. Yeah. And how Murtag takes the fork, kills the guys, and then makes it about convincing Essie not to run away. Mm-hmm. And goes and delves into her father's mind and f- discovers that it was a freak accident with a pot of hot water. Th- there's nothing that you can do about that. Yeah, yeah, because he, uh, he heals her. He does make the decision, too. Even though he does... Con- First, he convinces her that scars are nothing to be afraid of. Yes. That scars are nothing to, like, shy away from because yes. they are they make us who they are. Yep. He also is, like, she's a girl in the world of fantasy where, like, getting married will be important to her li- livelihood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, And, like, doing this, like, small service will it infinitely change her life for the better. 
Um, yeah. And he, so yeah, he heals her scar. Um, and like he, he kind of like touches their, their minds, um, when they realize, um, and, uh, and obviously he's, he wants to know what happened with it. And yeah. they're thinking about the moment that like Essie accidentally bumped into her dad with a boiling pot. She wasn't, she was where she wasn't supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and like she, Murtag feels his guilt for what happened. And like, you know, the, the, not what's the word oh kind of like almost irrational blame that uh her, her mom has towards the dad but like realizes that like it wasn't his fault it's just it was this horrible accident yeah and like yeah. just this like this this key, key moment in this person's life and how all, all, they all experienced it um and he just is able to do some good um by by healing her and I, it's really beautiful i i honestly i love this whole sequence um it- yeah. It does such a good job of having Murtag have dialogue with Essie that is about his scar more than hers. Yeah. And also the kindness of him taking away her scar. Yes. But acknowledging that he doesn't need to get rid of his because he's an adult and he's come to terms with it. But he's he's trying to save, like I said about preserving childhood, he's trying to save her the years of trying to come to terms with his scar or with her scar yeah. that he knows he went through to come to terms with his, right? Well, and there's a moment and like the problem is I can't remember if it's in this half of or the second half of the book where he mm-hmm. remembers getting the scar. I think that's in half two. Okay. So we'll talk about that next week then. I honestly can't remember. But like there's a reason that he decides <laughs> to keep it that is is beautiful but heartbreaking. Um, yeah. Uh, I want to say, Kevin, welcome back to the nerd table. Thank you so much for that. In 20 dang months. Uh, popping in to say, I have not read this book yet. That's okay. We'll watch after I get done with the book. You guys are awesome. You're awesome. Thank you. Kevin L. Stevenson. Uh, and also, thank you for that super chat. Arzu. Arzu, thank Keshe you. Uh, I love that Christopher Paolini came up with two different ways of making the name of names completely useless. Wordless magic and if gone replace ward for that fish. I agree with that. I think that it allows... Yeah. It allows the books to move forward. I think that one of the things about this series and the difficulty about adapting the future of it and not just writing prequels is that Aragon is kind of, without these like restrictions on the power of the name of names, Aragon is kind of too powerful and Arya is kind of too powerful to write another story about. And so you have to come up with ways around their magic. And I think yeah. that... Chris Paolini has shown us, oh, they're not too powerful. There are still things that other people can do in this world that they can't just wave away with a single word. And and Murtag does not have any of the Eldunari anymore. Yeah. Um, he does not have his boosted strength and speed. Yeah. Uh, like, if he were to face off with Aragon right now, Aragon would probably kick his ass. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, such is the nature of being, like, a human rider instead of an elf rider. It just, mm-hmm. it is what it is. Um... But, uh, yeah, the name of names is a tricky one. And I love that it was not, it was not the be all end all that like Galbatorx like truly believed that it was. Um, Frost Dragon popped in, uh, over on Twitch. Hey, what's up? Also, Jake Tail and Wheels, we have people on Twitch restream. What's going on? Um, I just want to say, uh, Frost Dragon, uh, was an early adopter of the Inheritance series, uh, and read it way back while they were still in school. We are talking about the new one. Uh, so if you guys haven't read Murtag yet, this is going to be spoilers for this book. The, the latest addition from Christopher Paolini to the world of Aragon and yes. Alagazia. Yes, and once you read the book, go watch our interview with Paolini um, yeah. about it because uh, we get into some juicy details. Um, we, uh, we get this uh, situation where uh, he 
Murtag leaves this bar having helped Essie, yeah. uh, helped the family, um, given some great advice. Honestly, some really great advice. Yeah. That I don't think Aragon could have given. You know, Murtag Mur- no. giving advice from a place of trauma. Uh, I, I feel like Aragon could give great advice on grief. Um, sure. Yes. But uh, it, you know, Aragon's childhood wasn't that rough. And and Murtag also has a moment of acknowledging that what Aragon did with, did with Galbatorix he couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Like I love that our characters have very clear strengths and weaknesses and can acknowledge like where another might uh, excel over them yeah. in certain areas, right? Yeah, I think um, Aragon would have just healed the girl and not helped her emotionally come to terms with it. He would have been like, "Oh, I can just fix that. Here, not a problem." Yeah. And I think that Murtag in in doing. In, in the conversation they have before he fixes her scar, I think he does more for her long term than Aragon could have. And I love the difference between the two boys. Well, and he does have the moment where he's like, hey, uh, Stigling, um, do you need the patronage of the Masons Guild to stay open? <laughs> and he's like, uh, well, I, no, I guess not. Why? And he's like, ah, don't worry about it. And as he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> gonna beat that girl up so uh he leaves and goes back to thorn uh, well he's like hey, maybe give uh give her a good poke with this fork here take this magic fork that's yeah, don't basically do that i see that might be murder um he says you can give her a poke with it it's a magic fork though that can like pierce flesh easier than a normal fork i just feel like i don't know if it's easier or if it's just indestructible but i, I who knows yeah, that just makes me nervous. I don't know the exact spells. That I'm just worried he's going to go back to Sienon in a later book and be like, wait, Essie's in jail? <laughs> Essie's in fantasy juvie? Oh, my God. Yeah, that Fantasy juvie, a TTRPG campaign coming soon. <laughs> oh, my God. Isn't that just like fantasy high? But, but with criminals. With criminals. <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> it's it's like the, it's a mixture of that be our like Obscura? Dimension 20's fantasy high with um, Arkham Asylum from Batman. Love it. Yeah. Love that. Honestly, Arkham Asylum would be a fun TTRPG campaign. Yeah, I don't... I haven't played it, Because so. Poison Ivy would be a druid. You could, you could... Like, Batman villains, you could pretty easily fit into the stereotypes. That's fair, yeah. Joker is a bard. No, Joker's an artificer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's like, interesting, because, like, Poison Ivy doesn't, like, wild shape, right? But you could do something like Circle of Spores, where it's more, mm, like, yeah. plant-focused. I mean, obviously, like, the spores and, like, mold isn't perfect thematic. It, it doesn't matter. Sorry. I got excited. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, but uh, the spores are, like, because uh, the kiss of the spores is yeah. like her kiss. Oh, uh, Mr. Freeze, you could do a warlock and uh, just have his Eldritch Blast be cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's ways you could do it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. Uh, Michaela says, is this the last book of the series? Has been decided what you're doing after. Uh, Michaela, we're probably going to read another Chris Paolini book in December. Uh, it won't be another Aragon book because there are no more yet. Well, yet. I, I don't know if this is technically a part of the Inheritance Cycle. So the Inheritance Cycle is I mean, it books, is a direct sequel. And this is, yeah, like a sequel to that. So it is part of it, but also not. I, I don't know how you would classify that. It is It is a part of it in the way that the sequel trilogy of Star Wars is mm-hmm. a part of the Star or the Skywalker saga. Yeah. But the it's not part of the original trilogy. Yeah, we have like no. two book options that we're thinking of covering next. One is a Paolini book, and the other we'll see. I think um, we're gonna do. I think we're gonna do the Paolini book. Oh really? I think we're gonna, yeah, we want to read it, right? Oh okay. I th- I thought we were leaning towards Fourth Wing. I don't know. Maybe we'll have a poll. We could do that. Yeah, we could do that. Um, uh, we're gonna do that, and then in January we're going to start Cosmere, Cosmere. with Mistborn one through three. Yeah. 
That'll be fun. We already have those. Yeah. Uh, we're never going to uh, cover a series that we have read before after this. Yeah, uh, this was a one-off thing with an inheritance cycle. We wanted to try something to see if, like, reading a book from our youth would be fun on the show. Yeah. It didn't it, really work out the way that we it, wanted it, it to. It was. It just, it, it does lack the um, kind of, like, what comes next element that uh, I think was so fun about the Wheel of Time. Yeah. So we want to try and recapture that. Uh, with some stuff that we have not read. Yeah, so we're going to be uh, doing Cosmere because neither of us has ever read a Brandon Sanderson book outside yeah. of the three Wheel of Time uh, books you wrote at the end there. Yep, starting in January. And so we get our, uh, our, our boy goes back to Thorn, his big red dragon, mm-hmm. who's a little bit bigger now. It's been a year. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's a chonky boy now. And I would love if Thorn ends up being the fat dragon from Dungeons and Dragons, the movie. Oh my god. Like one day Murtag's like We need to put you on a diet, dude. Oh you're god. just you're too thick. I want oh my god, I want that plushie so bad. Right? It's so <laughs> cute. Uh and Thorn is mad. Yeah. Thorn is pissed off because he told Murtag to do one thing, not get in danger when he can't help. What did Murtag do? Got in danger. Thorn couldn't help. Uh, but Murtag's reasoning is eventually satisfies Thorn, and Thorn is happy about what he did for the kid. Yeah, yeah, and Murtag's now got this stone and this amulet as like clues mm-hmm. to move forward as to what the hell's going on over here. Um, and um, with these two things, they they're like, okay, who do we know that knows things? <laughs> Who who can we talk to that's good at secrets? Because Soros doesn't have really like the information Murtag needs. He just has like the and beginnings of an idea. So we we did not say that Soros like fully like dies. Yeah. And from wounds that like should not have been lethal, but like d- he does not want to give information, and so um, he dies before he can really share anything except about the 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 twist your dreams and the dreamers ah and then dies. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, what dreamers. does he say? Ah, the dreamers. Ah, the twist your dreams. Ah. Do you, do, what, what's the name of the ancient language for the dreamers? Oh, something drummer? Uh, drummer is, is dream. I don't know what dreamer is. No, I there was remember. a name for their order that they say a lot, but I, a Weldon Dremer or something like that. Oh, um, maybe, yeah, that's not until the second half of the book, though. Sure. I don't uh, think it's so up in this one. They, they go to bed. Uh, before they go to bed, they do an interesting little ritual where they speak their true names to each yeah. other before bed uh, as a weird reminder of who they are. I don't think it's that weird. I think when you have been through what they've been through, all they have is who they are and each other. Mm-hmm. And ha- having a, an understanding of who you are is in and of itself an advantage in in, in survival. Yeah, I just, I, I think that um, we see how, it's hard to talk about later in the book. Yeah. But well, yeah. we won't. Uh, well, yeah. The, their true names, I, I just, yeah, I think that they're just mentally healthy, weirdly mentally healthier than me. Because I think that if the last thing that I did before bed each night was speak my flaws, I wouldn't sleep. And your because I, I know, but all I would, I already spend my nights thinking about every embarrassing thing that's ever happened to me in my life, and it keeps me up. The idea that I would intentionally make myself think about my deeply rooted flaws 
and then just be able to pass out is impossible. Like I would speak my flaws into existence and then I would lay there for six hours being like, I am deeply flawed. Oh my God. I, this is a problem. I, I think that this is yeah, this is more you, a me thing than it right. is a Murtag thing. Where I'm like, guys, you got you. If you're gonna fall asleep, you just have to ignore that shit. You can't bring it up. Well, if you do it every night, I feel like you eventually come to terms with it, right? Because Murtag was able to <sighs> come to terms with who he was, flaws mm-hmm. and all, and then change that. Like that. Like he knows that the the opportunity for growth and betterment is there. Mm-hmm. And I think like that's I think that that's kind of what you have to focus on because yeah if you're sitting there just mm-hmm. focusing on the bad parts then that that sounds miserable um Arzu says I didn't think nerdy got embarrassed at all I got a new embarrassment yesterday nerdy which is gets so embarrassed fun. but he doesn't have shame here's the thing if it's something that I do intentionally I don't get embarrassed by it okay I don't believe in getting embarrassed by your choices mm-hmm. right I get embarrassed by like yesterday i was in starbucks uh yesterday morning i was picking up an audio cable to make this room work and i stopped by the starbucks and i was like you know what it is the christmas season for me uh and the only thing i love about christmas is the starbucks peppermint mocha uh it is my favorite the thing only about only thing i love about christmas only thing i love about christmas wow and uh i'm not a big christ guy so uh for me it's really just about the, the sweet treats uh and the music Yes. That's true. No, there's other things I love. There, there's more. Um, Just throwing it out there. If we hit one of our uh, charity goals. It's true. We're going to do a Christmas caroling stream. If we hit the $8,000 charity stream goal, Clarissa and I are both going to write Wheel of Time Christmas carols that we will perform live on that stream. Yes, yes. If you want to know what the goals are, um, uh, make sure you're uh, following Nerdy Nightly Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. Because that's where those are being posted. Uh, they're also already on the Tiltify. If you want to just go to Tiltify, you can find them there. Um, spoilers. Spoilers. Uh, so I'm in the Starbucks and I get my venti peppermint mocha with coconut milk, no whip, because uh, I am a lactose intolerant boy and I didn't have any lactate on me. And I got my drink and the lid wasn't super secure. And I sat down at a table while I was waiting for my breakfast sandwich to finish. And as I put the drink down on the table, it tipped and went every, and I mean like everywhere. It was just liquid across the entire lobby of the Starbucks. And immediately, (laughs) the deeply rooted guilt in my core just took over fucking everything. I felt like I was going to die. And so I look up, and this lady who just handed me this drink is just staring at me with, like, this, like, horrifying pity in her eyes. Uh, and she's like, oh, I'll make you another one. And I was like, you really don't have to. That's my fault. I'll just buy another one. I feel bad. And she's like, no, that's dumb. I will make you another one. And then I was like, can I just have your mop and I will clean this up? And they were like, no, you can't. And I was like, please, I cannot sit here and watch you clean up the mess that I made. Please let me mop. That would be weird, actually. And they did not let me. And so I got my food and my drink, and I left while they cleaned up, because I couldn't just sit there and watch them clean up the mess that I made. That That is valid, yeah. I, I, yeah, I felt that. awful. I felt so bad. Uh, and so, yeah, I was, I was de- deeply, deeply embarrassed in that moment. And uh, to the people of the Starbucks... Uh, in the place that I'm not going to say because it's close to my house. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm so sorry. 
I hate creating more work for uh, service workers as a waiter myself of many years. It is like, <laughs> it is the worst feeling in the world to me. Yeah, I was like, eh, we've all been there, you mm -hmm. know, at least you weren't an asshole about it and, like, completely ignored it, because we've all seen that person who makes a fucking mess, mm -hmm. and is just like, and, like, walks out. Like, they don't say anything, they don't even look at it, they just leave, and you're like, bro. Oh, shit, Connor Crane, yeah. uh, they are popping in to say hi, they haven't finished the reading, but they just got out of a job interview. Connor Crane, wish you the best. I hope you get that fucking Hell job, yeah. dude. yeah, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for you, if it's a job you want. Unless the interview was miserable and you're like, I never want to work uh, this company. Yeah, maybe you walked out and we're like, hell no. But, but... Uh, Connor, happy for you. Good luck, buddy. Thank you. Uh, so we get a little flight sequence. Murtag and Thorn are, uh, they realize that their friend Jenny uh, might have some information up at, uh, what is her name? It's Officer Jenny, right? It is not Officer Jenny. The problem is there's an Officer Jenny in every town, so how did he know which one has the information? What? Oh my god. This is not Pokemon. Uh, he, they, they start flying to Gilead, or Gilead, or... Gilead. Gilead, which I... The, the Gilead of it all is so weird because it is what... Um, I know I've mentioned this on Book Club before, but the like connection between that and The Handmaid's Tale mm -hmm. makes Gilead... I'm, like, a little horrified by the concept of Gilead. Well, I've never seen it, so, like, I had no idea. You've never read the book? No. Oh, interesting. It's horrifying. That is something we would not do in book club. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's... it's I, I, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know it at all. Our show is too comedic. And it, and that's why, right? If we if we did like a serious, like we take this shit super seriously kind of book club, and we're gonna really dig into the themes, I would be willing to have that discussion. Fair. The kind of conversations that we have on this show would not lend itself towards a very serious discussion of a book about you know the dangers of misogyny and what it can lead to for women's lives. Fair. Yeah. No, that's valid. Um, they're going to see Elena. Elena. Is her, is That's her name. Her name. It's Elena. not Officer Jenny. No. Uh, and Elena is in Gilead. Uh, Elena is uh, the daughter of a shipping magnate that uh, trades in secrets to help yes. her father's shipping business. Yes. And that, also has a crush on Murtag. Yeah. And Murtag reason, has reason to believe would have survived mm. the downfall of Galbatorx's empire. Yeah. And so they fly and uh, Murtag, this is where we see the intelligence of Murtag. Because one of the things I love about this book is that the, Christopher... Paulini, uh, can't just call him Chris, but uh, <laughs> we have met him uh, in a great interview we'll that ask. you should watch on YouTube. We'll ask uh, if we can call him Chris. Uh, he, uh, he immediately in this book sets up that Murtag was very well educated, but not in the ancient language. Yeah. The Galbatorks really wanted to control his ability to use magic as a way of protecting himself. Yes, yes. He, like, he, 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 he knows more words from Aragon, probably, than mm -hmm. he knows from, like, um... Galbatorx. And obviously, uh, um, Aragon taught him his very first words in the ancient, uh, yeah, ancient yeah. language, mm -hmm. uh, which is a nice touch. But yeah, Galbatorx deliberately kept him in the dark. Um, he does, he, he does not know, he, he doesn't know a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and Galbatorx, uh, was also very, um, restrictive, in other elements of his education as mm -hmm. well, like, you know, histories and stuff. But, um, yeah, the ancient language, uh, he just kind of withheld from Murtag and um, gave him Eldunari so that he had to rely on, like, brute strength and, like, a certain amount of creativity with the 
words that he did know. Now, I'm realizing, yeah. remember how Murtag, like, heals Thorn with, like, stones and things like that? Yeah. It's probably because Murtag can't do it himself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. he doesn't know the words for it. And Galvatorix is like, I'm going to give you a thing that'll do it. Yeah. And you, like, activate it, but I'm not going to teach you how, because fuck you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because I do wonder... If Aragon had known that, how m- different those fights, fights could have been. Would have been, yeah. Because Aragon could have won mages duels with him so quickly just by using the ancient language to overpower him. Because it, the, you know, it, Murtag's strength in magic is that he has an indomitable will in his mental barriers. Yeah. Right. And so he was able to kind of skirt around not knowing the ancient language by Aragon not being willing to use magic against him out of fear that Murtag knew more about the ancient language than he did because he didn't want to use magic until he had dominated Murtag's mind. Mm -hmm. And so Murtag gets this like physical strength and this boost in his like vitality from the Eldunari, but he doesn't actually have the magical ability to fight Aragon. But the way that the magic system works in this world allows her that to be enough of an advantage that Murtag is able to win. And so it's just, this was a really clever way of explaining away how, why Murtag isn't as powerful as he is that works within what we saw from Murtag in the first few books. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just really well done. It, it's, it's using your magic system to create these interesting um, situations of the power levels not matching up in different ways, but that not being an advantage because of the fear of the unknown. Yeah, and uh, we we also like do learn that in wizards duels or whatever Brom calls them, yeah, that like you can be super powerful in the ancient language and still lose because like your your mental barriers are not as strong, right? You Which can becomes get really important overwhelmed. in the second half of the book. We'll talk about it next week. Yeah, <clears throat> super cool concepts. Yeah, um, I, I like that it's just not reliant on power levels. Yeah. Um, I think that it just makes it like that much more interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. They fly to Gilead. Gilead. Uh, as uh, they get there, uh, Thorn unfortunately has to hide again. Uh, <clears throat> we do, uh, you know, the necessity of Thorn and Murtag's separation is something that we did not deal with very much in um, the first four books. Yeah. Uh, when they were separated, it was more intentional. Uh, uh, except for when uh, Aragon is knocked out in Gilead, weirdly. Uh, that's yep. kind of the one time they're separated and it wasn't their choice in that series. Um, Wait, who? Sorry? Uh, Aragon and Sephira. Oh, Aragon and Sephira. Sorry. Well, because yeah. uh, one of the things I talked about with um, Christopher Paolini in that interview, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things I brought up um, was the, and it's a great clip, it's going to go up on YouTube soon, but he gets really excited, mm-hmm. uh, is that Aragon and Murtek have some very similar experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some p- deep parallels. Yeah. Um, the uh, getting information from a werecat, uh, the fact that going to Gilead is kind of the first time in the book where the, the, this, like, separation between the two of them happens. Yeah. Um, well, I guess, no, it happens in Sunan in this book, but... It's just much more brief. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, get, uh, we get to Gilead, and Thorne has to go hide, and Murtag heads into the city. On his way in, though, he sees that people are going off the path to go visit this tree near Gilead. Uh, and he pulls someone aside and it's like, hey, what the fuck's going on at the tree? And the guy's like, that's where uh, the big old uh, gold dragon's buried and the elf. You, yeah. you don't know about the big gold dragon and the elf? Murtag is like, mm. <laughs> yep. Oops. I know, I know about him. Yep. I was there. No, he doesn't say that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And he uh, is in this weird position of looking over and he apologizes as he walks by. Uh, but he finds out that uh, the big gold dragon was burnt, uh, was cremated. Yeah. Uh, and, and they grew a tree over top. They grew a tree over top because the elves are all about nature. Yes. I don't know if you guys knew that, but the elves are... They live in a big forest. My question is, even if you burnt him down, right? Yeah. Realistically, how big of a coffin... Like, not a coffin, but how big a hole did they have to dig? I guess you do it with magic. Yeah. But it even with magic, be it'd still like, be energy. Like, yeah. It or seems... they did it by hand. Well, here's the thing. Like, the elves are it'd like... It'd be the same amount of energy. Yeah, but they also like if you can accomplish it with magic, it's like Runan imparts upon Aragon the journey and not the destination. And I think that for Glader, I think that Glader would deserve mm -hmm. the journey of that burial. I th I bet I bet they dug it out by hand. I, I I and they sung the tree to life. Like I don't think that they just booped it. Like I, yeah, I don't know. That's just me. I love that. I love the idea that obviously the tree was made with magic, right? To help it grow faster. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. clearly not a one year old tree, but uh the the idea that like the elves would take the time to bury Ormus's grave by hand and, and Glader's obviously. Um I that's a beautiful I, I yeah, and I I didn't, I didn't think about it that way, but I hope that that is true now. Yeah, I that's in my headcanon. They don't say that, but I just that's what I Yeah imagine but but i see what you're talking about right it goes back to what runan says when she's teaching aragon how to make brisinger and it really ties in it would tie into that elvish mentality mm -hmm. uh so then they go into uh or uh Murtag goes into gilead uh he pulls a matte coffin uh in that he comes up with an elaborate backstory and then they don't ask about it and he gets a stick <clears throat> and he gets a stick yeah yeah, he really he yeah he really does have some Matt Cawthon in him in this book a little bit. A little bit. <clears throat> His yeah. um desire to like take care of children. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're weirdly yeah, similar. Yeah, there's characters. a couple parallels. I I can see the similarities. I think mm. they would have some interesting conversations. Um, yeah. But yeah, he heads into Gilead and is um he uh, they're both interested in um dark skinned leaders of countries. <laughs> yeah, they have I guess the same you're right. taste in women. Yeah. Yeah. I get no, you, you're not wrong. Uh, I, that, they just, they both are. Uh, I do love that. I didn't even realize. Um, so uh, Murtag is looking for Elena <laughs> and uh, decides to get a message into the keep castle. Uh, yeah. Rich part of town. Sees a page boy and uh, is like, here, have some money and I'll give you more. If you pass along this message, I bought a bird. Give it to Elena and this letter. And the page boy's like, all right, sure. The bird is a gift, by the way. So like, yeah. it's a beautiful bird. Sure, yeah. It's a gift to be like, here, have this pet. <clears throat> Murtag, what the fuck? Don't, what? don't give people pets. Pets are not gifts. Pets are a choice that you make to commit to taking care of something. Okay. Pets as gifts are a bad idea. Okay. In every scenario. If you don't have 25 servants taking care of you. Don't give pets as gifts. I'm just saying. I don't if want you're that rich. a hobby as a gift. Here's the thing. She's never going to see that bird except w when she decides to walk into the room that it's in and, like, listen to it. Like, like someone else is going to have the responsibility of taking care of that. I understand what you're saying. And you are not wrong. And also, I am morally opposed to pets as gifts. Yeah. I just, I think that it is a bad idea. Right? Mm -hmm. 
And, and granted, so I say that when one of buy the me a puppy. greatest gifts. No, no, but that would be a decision we make together. I'm not going to surprise you with a puppy. Don. The, the, you know what I mean? Don't. And look, I will say, I want to say very clearly. One of the best gifts my family ever received was my grandfather, Christmas morning, shows up with a beautiful little boxer. Her name was Zoe. And we fucking loved that dog. My stepdad at the time, Ken, uh, he's still a great guy. Not my stepdad anymore. Marriage is complicated. Uh, he took that puppy into the vet for the first time. and was like, hey, uh, this is my new dog that my father bought me and my kids. Um, can you check it out? And they were like, yeah, sure. So Ken sits down in the lobby. He's sitting there for a few minutes. And uh, the police show up. Uh, Ken is a police officer. He's a sergeant. <laughs> And so there go, Ken, why were we called about you? And he goes, I don't know. And the vet comes out and was like, this dog was stolen. And so my stepdad has to call his dad and is like, hey, uh, where did you get this dog? And my grandfather goes, on the side of the road. You know, some guy sold it to me from the back of his van. And so Ken had to buy the dog again because we loved the dog. Uh, and so we wanted to keep the dog. Uh, and so it's the dog that we bought twice. Don't give pets as gifts. Even if Zoe ended Don't up being one of my best friends and used to sleep at the foot of my bed and I loved her very much. And I'm still, even even with that, the, some of my fondest memories, don't give pets as gifts. Don't do it. Don't do it, kids. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I love that. I just like, I can imagine Ken being like, what? <laughs> yeah. Like, just like... They're like, did you steal this dog? He's like, no, I'm a cop. What are you yeah, talking about? Yeah, what do you mean? You think I'd be that dumb? Like... Yeah, that was a fun... That was a fun Christmas day, boxing day into the new year uh, when I was a child. Times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Zoe, I miss you. You were a great dog. Um, well, Murtag does get a pet as a gift. <clears throat> um, but don't worry, it doesn't last very long. Uh, because... Um, uh, the, 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 the Murtag is waiting for that page boy to come back and instead sees a magician of Duvrangergata and Duvrangergata. a bunch of guards. He's like, oh, fuck. So he like kind of like sneaks away and mm -hmm. some guy comes over and is like, are you Tornak? And Murtag's like, yes. Tornak is the name that he's been using in towns. Yes. Uh, it's the name of his, his, old, teacher. his old teacher. Yeah. And then the one man he ever loved. I, I love that he's like, I wonder what, I never found out what happened to Tornak, my horse. Wonder if that'll ever come back. Isn't they, he just with the dwarves? Well, he he got taken to the Trondheim, yeah. And uh, we'd never heard of him again. Did he ride like, out on Tornak with the twins when he was kidnapped? No. They went by foot? Yeah. So we have no idea what happened to the that horse. That horse is living large. Yeah, I'm sure. He's living La Vida Loca. Yeah, I'm sure he's In Trondheim. Um, you know? I, I'm sure he's fine, but I, I do find it very funny that it was written in. Actually, like, I don't know what the fuck happened to that guy. That horse is dead. Why? Because he belonged to the guy who killed their king. If he's still with the dwarves, that horse, they're not taking care of that horse. They don't give a shit. But it's a beautiful war horse. I know, but he's still like the king killer's horse. You think that they would be like, we're going to kill this random horse in revenge and he's never going to know that we killed it? Like, what the fuck is the point of that? I just don't know that anyone would want to keep it. Who would who would want to keep the horse of the man who killed their king? It's a good horse. Yeah, but that's look, bad juju. Look, if you if you hypothetically had a friend or a relative who turned out to be like a murderer, but they also had like a dog, wouldn't you keep that dog and take no. care of it because it's not the dog's fault? 
But I wouldn't want to look at the dog because it would remind me of the man who killed the king. I, you know, okay, I guess. Like I would maybe pawn it off on somebody else. I'm not gonna like murder the dog, but I'm also like I'm not keeping. So that they dog. sold Tornak then to like someone in Serta. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tornak is not dead and murdered by the hands of the dwarves. I, just I don't think the dwarves would that. keep it. They sold him to yeah. to to King Orin, <laughs> one of King Orin's people. Uh, Shafika says sometimes Murtag comes across as too sure of himself, which gets him in trouble. Like that part of his journey seems to be to re- recognize and improve. Yeah, I think yeah. that hopefully he learned from this book. Well, and we'll talk about it. Next I week. think that Aragon goes through a very similar journey, which is why I I love the the two of these. Like I, I love I love the thematic similarities between the Inheritance Cycle and the Murtag book. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's really really well done and thought out. Um, yeah. And I, I love that, yeah, I love how excited Paolini got when you, you brought that up. He's yeah. like, thank you for re- for noticing that. Um, I love that. He got very excited. <laughs> so uh, this this man uh, leads uh, Murtag on a merry little runaway from the Duvengargada and the In city guard yeah. down a tunnel uh, that leads into the underneath of the keep. And he's like, where am I going? Yeah, he's like, what the fuck is uh, going on here? And he's like, the lady will see you now. And... Murtag's like, Elena? And then a cat turns around and is like, no, me, motherfucker. And so Candelabra is there. and Candelabra? The cat. Uh, No, that's not her name. Yeah, it's Candelabra. So Candelabra, the werecat, uh, is just consumed the pet that Murtag got for Elena, which is like, rude? Like, that was a gift for somebody. Carabelle, that's Yeah, it. Candelabra. Uh, Carabelle sure. consumes Murtag's gift. And, like, as morally opposed it, as I am to giving pets as gifts... Give people food as s- gifts. But stealing a gift from somebody else is worse. Like, Carabelle here straight up just, like, steals a gift. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't give a fuck. She's a work cat. <laughs> they have different rules. Yeah, it's true. They, they, yeah, they're playing a whole other ball game. And so Carabelle is like, look, Elena doesn't know shit. I promise you. And if she does, I'll find out for you. You're not going to get through without people finding out that Murtag Dragon Rider's here. What if you do me a little favor? And Murtag's like, what's the favor? And she's like, there's a kid in danger. And he's like, oh, fuck. He's like, you found my weakness. Ah, okay, I'm in. It's I'm a in. kid. Yeah. God damn yeah. it, you're manipulating me. And she's like, I'm not really manipulating you. There legitimately is. He's like, God, this is such a manipulation. And I'm like, it, kind of, but also there, there is actually a child yes, in danger. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so some werecats younglings have been stolen. Yeah. And uh, the most recent one, uh, uh, they believe to still be in the city. Mm-hmm. They like sniffed her out, but she's behind a door that the werecats cannot get into. And so we find out that much like the Witcher 3, this side quest comes in three sections. Hell yeah. First, you have to get the scale. Yeah. Because, second, you have to kill the fish. The fish that will only come if you use the scale of but, a dragon. But only glader scale. And not thorn scale, because that would be too easy. I, and less like, emotionally traumatic. I think Thorn would murder Murtag before giving over one of his scales. Like he Murtag literally... almost dies getting uh, using glader scale. So sure, I just mean that like Thorn literally is like, well, it's not my scale. Like he's like, I don't give a fuck what you do to it as long as it's not my scale. 
Anyone else? I don't give a fuck. But mine? No. Like, okay, so we have to get the scale to attract the fish. Yes. To kill the fish, to take to Reno, so that Reno will allow him into Reno's company so that he can go into the basement of Reno's barracks. Yeah. Or. Is that his name? I don't even... Hear me out. Captain Ren. Reno. Nevada. Uh, Reno 911. Uh, great show. Or Murtag could have just snuck in to the barracks in the middle of the night using magic. I mean, he is a member of that guard for, like, seven hours. Yeah. I'm just saying, the man has magic. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more just that, like, Murtag will take the more difficult path if it puts less people in danger. Oh, and it's more narratively interesting. Yeah. A thousand percent. I totally get that. But ultimately, the plan is sneak in in the middle of the night. Yes. But, he, like, in Witcher, you can't just go and sneak in in the middle of the night. You have to do the things in the order. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm glad for it because it makes this interesting. And we get, yeah. like, uh, Murtag has to emotionally traumatize himself by stealing his glider scale. And yeah. he has to almost die killing Mukma, the giant sturgeon. Uh, and we get to learn about Durza. Like, there, there's reasons why it's fun. But ultimately, his plan comes down to, well, I snuck in in the middle of the night. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Uh, so he goes to the tree to uh, get the scale. And it's like, well, they fucking burnt the dragon, so I can't go digging around. There's literally, like, tons of people here, like, standing vigil. Mm -hmm. um, and he decides to use the spell that Aragorn used in the desert to bring the water up from Even the though he's complaining about being thirsty and not knowing how to get clean water, and he uses the spell that Aragorn used three books ago to get clean water for them to drink in the desert. That's true. This drove me a little bit crazy, because he's, like, complaining about being thirsty this whole time. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, he's like, all right, I gotta use the spell to get the water up out of the ground. And I was like, Murtag, why do you know this spell? To be fair, it's not in the same day, so we just didn't think of it. Murtag, why do you know this spell? <laughs> what did you use it for when you learned this spell, for the love of God, stop complaining about being thirsty. You know why you used this spell. Yeah, yeah. Drove me fucking insane. So he he uses the spell to draw water from the ground and hopefully, like, catch a scale on the way up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, very cool. Loved that. Um, while he's casting this spell, some fucking guy comes over. And starts chatting away. We've all been there where you're like, you know, off in your own brain and someone comes over and they want to have a conversation with you that you didn't want to have. It's called marriage. <laughs> wow. Okay, well. I see how it is. How often do you or I come interrupt the other person with a conversation that we're like, Sorry, what, what do you want to talk about right now? Yeah, it's mostly like, so we have to do this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're in a bit of a time crunch. We're always on a time crunch. Um, Does he fight the goat before or after this? I love that that's a sentence I can ask. The goat. Is that before or after the scale? Oh, I think it's before. Because it's like, oh, no, 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 it's after. It's after. Because he gets the scale and then he like goes into it and sleeps for the night. Um, so he goes to get the scale, mm -hmm. and some guy comes over and is like, yeah, my dead son joined the Varden. Murtag's like, that's rough, buddy. I'm so sorry. And then he's like, my dead son died on the burning plains. Yeah. And then I like, might have been in charge of that fight. Uh. And, well, and Murtag is like, yeah, I, I lost somebody too. And he's like, yeah, definitely not as bad as like me, but we're not going to compare grief because that's weird. Like, that's basically how that goes. It is what he says. Yeah. It's so weird. This guy's the worst. 
<laughs> he oh means my well. God. He's like, he, you know, he sees, he sees Murtag over there and is like, I've never seen this guy here before. Like, you know, he probably just wants a friend. Murtag does not, in fact, want a friend. No, it is before. Tries. The goat is before this. Because it's while he's, he sleeps while he's waiting for the elves to leave the tree. No, he sleeps while he's recovering because Murtag is like, you need to fucking go to bed. Get some goddamn sleep before we go get Mukma. Because he's exhausted. But then why isn't he with Thorn? Because Thorn won't go in the trees. Oh, that's right. That's right. Like, okay. Thorn is in the clearing, and and Murtag, because Thorn is like, do you want me to eat him? Right, because Thorn and is there, but he's, yeah, Murtag's yeah, yeah. Murtag's like, no. Because we get the first hint of um, Thorn's, like, traumatic and awful claustrophobia that hurt bad. Your head hurt real bad. That real bad. was the hardest part to read about this whole book. Honestly. Was that poor dragon's claustrophobia? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I might be wrong, but I'm almost positive that it is Thorn being like, "Fuck you! You need some rest." Mm-hmm. So he goes to sleep before they go get Makma. So, so he's getting the scale because much like into the woods, he needs three things in order to finish the side to see, quest: to sell, to get, to give, to make, to lift, to go to the festival. <laughs> into the woods. <laughs> the hair is yellow as silk, uh, or yeah, hair is yellow as corn. corn. Yeah. The, Cow is white as silk? Milk. Milk? Yeah. What's the third thing? Uh, the shoe? No, not the shoe. No. Uh, yeah, it's the shoe is clear as... No, there is no shoe. Uh, f- oh my god, I did the show. The hair, the cow, the... What's the third thing? Oh my god, no. Is it not Cinderella's shoe? No, it's not the shoe. I've never done Into the Woods. Is it a the bean? No, the egg. The the egg. The goose. Sorry, uh, Rob, uh, my music theater, my music theater history teacher. I don't know. I did this show. The cow is the white as milk. milk. The, the, ha- hair, the, the hair is the yellow as corn. corn. Oh my God. Ah! I need to Google this because I'm going to lose my fucking mind. Into the woods. Into the, Into the woods, woods. And out of the woods. And, and home before. before. There are giants in the sky. What are the three <laughs> this is things so, This is such bad content. Into the woods. <laughs> what are the three things? Oh, wait. What are the four things? Cow is white as milk. The cape is red as blood. The hair is yellow as corn. The slipper is pure as gold. Yeah, it is right. a fucking yeah. slipper. I forgot about the slipper. Because I was like, there's no glass, but they're not glass slippers. That's why. Ellen knows. What's up, Shalish? Oh, hi. Y'all, Ellen S. uh, Shalish, she was in this seat yesterday. Hilarious. Or in that seat. She was in that seat yesterday. Yes. uh, Playing Dungeons Dragons. Uh, She was very funny. Uh, She made me cry. I was. Tears of laughter. Cackling. Yeah. Like, actually cackling. Um. Yeah. Honestly, can't believe I forgot. Shush, any literally anytime you want to play D if you can make me laugh like that, <laughs> get in here. Let's go. Get over here. <laughs> get over here. Where were we? Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, he's uh, Murtag is mid conversation. Wow, the tangents today have been wild. <laughs> it's great. It's been story time with nerdy. We're live on Twitch. I know it's crazy. This is nuts. Uh, truly, truly nuts. Chavernus. Yeah. Chavernes, that, that is a permanent part of my vocabulary now. I hope you realize Chavernes. that. Chavernes. Yeah. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> Woo! Uh, so, Murtag's trying to pull this, the, the, the gold, the glittery golden scale up to use as a lure. Um, yes. That's what fishing people do. Uh, yeah, and, it's a lure. Uh, it's bait. It really just seems like if he had just gotten in the water, the fish would have attacked him. The fish seems hyper-aggressive. Uh, yeah. I also like that they're like, well, you need to like lure the fish out because how can you tell his brain is different from other brains? And then when Murtag meets Mukma, he's like, oh, he's a giant magical thing. 
Uh, Ellen says we are in the D&D &D category over on Twitch, so thank you for that. <laughs> uh, thank you for letting us know. We don't do book club from this location usually. We are at our computer, but we don't have computer here. Computer over there. Uh, I appreciate you letting us know. Um, yeah, yeah, Mukma is kind of an asshole, but um, they... <laughs> They, 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 yes, Murtag does get bitten by a goat. He's, like, having a nightmare, and a goat comes over and bites him, and Thorne is like, can I eat it? And Murtag is like, no, don't worry about it. Um, and then they go to the lake to lure Mukma. Mukma, an asshole. Big, big ass, asshole fish. Um, oh, no, they, right, and they, so they try and find Mukma. They try. They, like, fly around with the scale. It's not, it's not working. They, they can't find Mukma. So, uh, Murtag goes to the, uh, to the, back into Gilead and tries to find, uh, people to talk to about it. So, he goes to this seedy place. Oh, wow. That's a good I just book. broke the stream. Sorry. Oh, no. Oh, well, you really broke the stream. It's fine. Keep talking. Great. I love that for me. Uh, it's fine. Uh, yeah, so, uh, Murtag goes and gets some information from some fishermen. They tell him the story of Mukma, about how these little boys, uh, were, you know, fishing, caught some fish, and decided to let them, like, die very slow, painful deaths to mm -hmm. see which one could last the longest. And then Durzo walks on by and is like, yeah, let's see which one we want, who's gonna last the longest. Um... Ah, smart. Good call. Good call. Good call. You think you're too tall now? You're gonna have to slouch. Yeah, you're gonna have to slouch a teeny bit. Um, it's fine. It's all good. Uh, yeah. Durza cast some spells on a sturgeon and turned it into Mukma, uh, who has been terrorizing Gilead for the last like I don't know, sixty years or something. Um, yeah. Crazy. So, uh, Murtag learns about Mukma, and he's like, if I were to fish and avoid. Makma, where would I go? <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, just don't go over this. He's he's there a lot of times. Just don't go over this place. Murtag's like, thank you kindly. Uh, this is also where Murtag uses a different name than Tornak for the first time because oh, yeah. he realizes that like, oh shit, if the Werecats know who Tornak is, because Candelabra says like, the Werecats are aware of M Tornak, and yeah. he's like, ah right, the guy who trained right. me was the famous sword trainer boy from fucking Galbatorx's. Yeah. Maybe I should think this through. Yeah, maybe not the best code name. Oops. Oopsie. Um. So, so yeah, they go to try and find Mukma. I also love that, like, it, it, people are so suspicious in this town that he has to buy the entire bar around. Granted, it's, like, ten coppers to buy the whole yeah. bar around. But people are like, ah, we don't want to tell you anything more, strange dude. And he's like, I'm around for the bar. And they're like, that's not suspicious. All right, I'll tell you more for free booze. Well, yeah, because the guy was about to, like, leave and go home to, like, his wife. Yeah. And then he's like, but another drink. And he's like, I guess I'm an alcoholic and I can't say no. Uh, I'm just a girl who can't say no. I'm in a terrible fix. You've never seen Oklahoma? That makes no sense. Um, and, and sorry, then this is where Thorne forces them to go to sleep. Um, so they can be well rested. Because yeah. it was, like, the middle of the night. Um, in the middle of the night. So they go to the I lake. got chewed on by a goat. And they can't sense. No, Mukma's we can't skip over the goat. The goat attacks. About the, goat. the goat attacks, and it is fucking hilarious. If it you didn't listen to the audiobook, the goat attack. Hilarious. Audiobook, dude. I should know your name. I'm sorry, Gerard Doyle. Gerard Doyle. Uh, the goat noises 
fucking perfect. Well done. Yeah. So, listen to the audiobook. So funny. It's great. it's great. Yeah, this was this this rocked as an audiobook moment. The one thing that was weird is that audiobook Safira in Fork of the Witch and the Worm sounds different than like the series. Is Jar Doyle? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe oh, she's yeah. maybe her maybe her voice has changed as she gets older. Maybe. It's like higher. It's very funny. Anyways. Alright. Um uh yeah, so they go to try and find Mukma. Mukma's mind is can't be felt. Yeah. Um, and Mukma is able to surprise them. Well, actually, we also learn from when he's in the town learning about Mukma, we learn the story that uh, a, re- a weird red-haired man. Yeah, I already. Randall Thor uh, made Mukma Mukma. We already went over that. Sorry, I was working. I know, I know. <laughs> All right. Well, it was Durza. It was cool. Yeah, Durza did some shenanigans on uh, Mukma. Dang diddly Durza did it. Um, and so it's a shade creature. Yeah, gross. That's not going to be dangerous at all. Uh, so, yeah, Murtai goes fishing, uh, and they find Mugma. Mugma surprises the shit out of them and, like, fucks them up real bad. Yeah, like, they almost lose this fight. I know! Thorn, Thorn gets a little bit fucked up, yeah. and Murtag almost dies. Yeah, Thor, or, uh, Mugma fully, like, drags Murtag to the bottom <laughs> of the fucking lake, and Murtag only survives because he finds a, like, femur and mm-hmm. stabs it through Mugma's brain. Yeah, in the process, he loses his dagger, uh, and yeah. so he is now completely weaponless. Yeah, because uh, he hasn't been taking Zarok with him because it's yeah. too recognizable. Because it is a bright red sword. Yeah, you notice that shit, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and uh, we we get this interesting bit where he, he finally, he stabs it through the brain, he kills Makma, yeah. gets it back up on the shore, uh, and then he dives back down to try and find his stuff. And what he finds is the corpses of the men he led into and battle. And the graveyard. Yeah, but it's the corpses of the men he led into battle at Gilead. Yes. And he's overcome he with this absolutely fascinating, like, grief over having yeah. left them to die here in a battle that was lost, even though, you know, Galbatorx would have seen it as a win because Glader and Ormus are dead. Yeah. But his, this overriding sense of guilt that just overtakes him. And Thorne is trying to, like, calm him down. Like, you're not responsible for their deaths. Yeah. What would you have had us do? Galbatorx took over your body. Yeah. Like, but it's... Murtaga had the experience of, like, getting to know them. Yeah. And, like, you know breaking bread with these people that relied on him mm-hmm. and he left them to the mercy of the elves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shafika brings up, uh, was the if statements magic uh, thing before this. Uh, it, it is around this time that uh, the the way that he realizes that Makma is getting the wards replaced is that there's a, if the this magic ends, if clause. restart the ward, right? Yeah, the if clause. <clears throat> the if clause. Mm-hmm. And they're the implications of that for Murtag are fascinating. Like, what can I yep. do with If Then? Uh, a musical starring Adina Menzel that didn't run very long, but uh, had its fans. Um, Never saw it. It's just a factual statement. Yeah. Uh, if Then. Not on Broadway anymore. I thought it was If Slash Then. Like, I don't... It I is If Slash Then. Yeah. But nobody... Everyone nobody just called it If that. Then. Sure. Fair enough. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I... Yeah. It's like how no one calls it Book of Mormon. Everyone just calls it Mormon. Nobody calls it. Everyone in New York just calls it Mormon. And you just, do you see, did you see Mormon last night? No, I've never, never. Well. No. Uh, The the, the one that I know, the abbreviation is how to succeed. Like nobody says how to succeed in business without really trying. Like, you know, yeah. That's, that one's how to succeed, but I've never heard Book of Mormon. Everyone just calls it Mormon. (laughs) All right. What, are there any others that are shortened? Oh, I'm sure there's probably tons. Phantom, 
Yeah, fa- no one says Phantom of the Opera. Which is hilarious because Phantom is a different musical. Well, there's two Phantom of the Operas. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So there's uh, there's the yeah. There's Phantom. There's Phantom of the Opera and there's Phantom of the Opera, but we just call it Phantom. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Love that. There's also us. like seven Cinderellas. True. Yeah. Bad Cinderella. I'm a bad Cinderella. <laughs> Anyways, uh, moving on. Um. Uh, <laughs> Mukma's dead. Uh, he decapitates the fish, gives the rest of the fish to some fishermen who row by, yeah. which is a kind gift, maybe, unless the magic makes that meat not edible. Um, I would have been a little bit concerned. I, I just wouldn't feed people shade magic fish. Yeah. But, like, does the magic disappear? I don't know. Because it grew. Yeah, I didn't. I, I just wouldn't it. trust it. Wouldn't, I if wouldn't. you told if you told me, like, here's an apple, the evil witch made it, but the evil witch is dead now, I'd be like, I'm still going to not eat yeah, that apple. Yeah, you know, I'm okay. I think I'm all right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so he, uh, he's like, I, I gotta wait until, until morning when the barracks are open, and, mm-hmm. uh, then he, 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 he drags Muckma's head into, to see Captain Wren. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I killed Muckma, and they're like, oh, sh- shit, yeah, that's, that's Muckma. It's fucking Muckma. And the one guy's like, look, the guy doesn't want any green recruits right now, and the other guy's like, yeah, but, like, it's Muckma. <laughs> he killed fucking Muckma. So, uh, Martin Muckma gets ate to my mom. spar with, the. Uh, with the 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 armsman with one of the trainer, I don't know. Yeah, what's he called? Yeah, with the sword guy. But he gets a spear instead. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, they train with a little bit with the spear, and Murtag's like, "I'm better with the sword," and he's like, "All right, bet." Um, so they fight a little bit. But I like this. I like this because it um, it we emphasize we we're taking away from Murtag's like being a rider here yeah and like with a weapon that he is not that trained in yeah because he hasn't had time to train in all of the weapon styles one day he probably will he's gonna live to be a thousand but for now he's he's like oh i'm clumsy with this thing yeah even with the additional strength that comes from being a rider uh that that strength is what is allowing me to hold my own in this fight yeah but i i don't know what i'm doing like i'm just fucking swinging this thing like a fucking baseball bat and then when he gets the sword, he shows just how good he is. Yes. But, yes. you know, this the it is allowing for this character to not be perfect, right? Yeah. He doesn't just pick up a quarterstaff and beat the shit out of the two best swordsmen in the camp. <laughs> yeah, of course. Because that would be really silly. That would be silly, right? <laughs> yeah. If he had just beaten this guy up with a weapon he has, like, used years ago but hasn't picked up in a while... And he just were to beat up the two best fighters that this guy has, you would be like, "This is unrealistic. Why does anyone like this book?" Super weird, yeah. But hey, but here I'm we glad are. like fantasy writers are smarter than that, and they don't just throw that in. <laughs> while such a dick. And you know, the, the, you know, he is at full strength. It's not like he is like emaciated and unfed and sick when he picks up a quarter staff and just right. beats up the two well-fed best, best swordsmen in the in country the, in the world. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, super crazy. Um, yeah, Murtag. But so Murtag is kind of like Matt Coffin in some ways. Uh, Uh, so, uh, the the guy's like, wow, yeah, you're pretty good. Let's go talk to Captain Wren. Uh, and Captain Wren is like, so you wanna, you wanna join up? And Murtag's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm here to do some good But he's also like, yeah, I wanna join up, but also like, what the fuck is up with these masks? Yeah, and and Captain Wren is like, oh my god, I'm so glad you asked. And he like, puts it on, he's like, woo. And so he has this, um, I think it's a bear mask and a wolf mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he puts it on and suddenly he's like, oh shit, 
uh, that's scary. Why are you scary now? What the f- what ma- what what sorcery is this? It like it, it it's it imbues the aura of the animal or whatever it is. Yeah. It, very cool. Very interesting magic. That it's like yeah. these like old masks. Um, definitely not gonna be important later. Uh, they don't come back. They never. Yeah, yeah. never come back. It's fine. Um, and so uh, Murtag swears, uh, to to serve. Natsuwada and the company and follow orders. Which he regrets. Like, I, I, I like that Murtag is a character who is like, fuck, I have to do this, but I really don't want to break oaths. I don't want to be an oath breaker. But it's and part it of my hard... dream, so... Yeah, it is hard for him to, to make this commitment because yeah. of that, right? Because of the idea of, like, fuck, like... What, I'm 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 becoming a betrayer again, and mm-hmm. it's the thing that he doesn't want to be. A lot of this book is about Murtag having to redo the mistakes that he doesn't want to redo in order to make the world a better place, and realizing that like it is complicated to do right by the world. Yeah, and it, it, you don't always get to do it on your own terms. Yeah, and there's a lot of elements of this book that are Murtag having to kind of bend bend the promises that he's made to himself about how he's going to act from now on. Uh, about not leaving Thorn behind, about not breaking oaths anymore, about not lying. You know, he has to bend those things in order to do the right thing. And this book is a lot about him realizing that even though Galbatorx is gone, life is still complicated for someone with as much power as he has. Yes, absolutely. Um, Mm -hmm. He can't just kind of do whatever he wants. Uh, Yeah. That fucking sucks. Um, Yeah. So he he swears full well knowing that those oaths are going to be broken. Um, And uh, he gets a little buddy. He gets like a camp buddy. Esbar. Esbar, who, uh... Best part of the whole book. Shows, I fucking love Esbar. Shows him around and won't shut the fuck up. I've been uh, here two months. It's been the best two months of my fucking life. Dude, we get to, like, help people and I get paid. And I can give that money to my dresses. sister. Oh, my God. My it's family so are sweet. eating. I, yeah. It, we might afford for them to eat enough food so that they don't look sickly when men come over and then men will want to marry them. I'm a good dude. I'm just a good dude. I've never done anything wrong. And you're never going to betray me, right, Murtag? You saw Aragon like, and Safira. You got. You were on the fight where the Aragon and the Safira were. Wow, that's really cool. Did you see them? He's just the sweetest, bestest little boy. I know. I know. I Poor felt thing. so bad when he came back. Because he does come back. Um... You know, the, the, Murtag goes through the day mm-hmm. um, acting his part, and they finally go to bed in the barracks uh, where the door is that he needs to get behind. Yeah. And uh, he sneaks through. There's, like, a guard there, and he's like, hmm, I know that the soldiers have wards because Captain Wren asked me if I had any wards and made sure that I would get some put on me tomorrow from Dufranger Goddess. So this guy definitely has got to have some kind of wards on him, yeah. right? stands to reason so he's like "Mm, what if i like instead of hurting him i put him to sleep that's a pretty big flaw in your words there uh because it works yeah (laughs) just knocked him right out um so murtag is able to like sneaky sneak through and there's like a series of chambers with doors yeah fascinating we find that golden lily yeah uh we find this like kind of like gardeny room um, there's a Razak egg. There's a, um, Venus flytrap. A Venus flytrap. He's like, wow, I've never seen that kind of thing before. That's crazy. Um, yeah. What, what else was in there? The Razak egg is the big one. Because he doesn't know what it is. The Razak egg. But he egg. finds a big, uh, a black and blue egg. And the yellow diamond. What? It's from Nagling, right? 
No. Uh, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Because Ormus' no, sword fell out of his grasp above Gilead. Yeah, but the, it's it's not perfect enough. And it doesn't have the um, uh, elvish protections on it that the ruby in um, uh, Zarok has. No, it's just f- so full. Cause he so there's a there's a trap door with a bunch of gems and he's like I'm gonna try and drain those gems into this gem but the but the the yellow diamond almost explodes because it's so full because Oramis and Glader have been storing all of their energy and the energy of other elves into the, it has to be Nagling I don't right? think it's Nagling because I don't think that I for for a number of reasons one okay. I don't think that Galbatorix would have allowed that sword to be broken apart. I think that, and I don't think Galbatorix would have left that sword behind. I think that Galbatorix would have kept that sword. I think that that Nagling was probably among the swords recovered from Galbatorix's um, treasure room. No, they would have mentioned it. They absolutely would have named it. If if there, there's no way, Nagling got lost because they were flying. Okay, but if it got lost, how? Who broke it? I mean, they have these, like, wordless magic amulets and, like, that, that, magic But then doors. Nagling was taken to Bechel, and then Bechel broke it, and then they took the yellow diamond back to... I don't know. I just... That was my immediate first thought, because I was like, it's a yellow diamond in Gilead. I don't and Gilead think... Is but I where... think that it's an imperfect diamond, which is why it gets too hot when he uses it. Maybe. I, I don't think it can possibly it be from full. Nagling. I thought it was, like, too full. I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't think, I, I think that in order for it to be Nagling, then it would, ha- then somebody would have to be powerful enough to break apart a rider sword, which would take a level of magic that like, who has that level of magic in Gilead that close to Dueldenvarden, right? Unless there's like an evil elf that broke apart Nagling, but then where's the rest of Runon's blade? You know what I mean? Like it just, it's it, in order for it to be Nagling's gem, Hmm. A lot would have to happen, and I'm pretty sure he talks about how the the diamond isn't as perfect as the ruby in Zarok is. He says it's not as big. Hmm. I don't know, and you know what? We should have asked Christopher in our interview. Yeah, um, he might not have answered. Because but... I was just, I was a hundred percent sure that it was, and now I'm like, well, yeah, I don't know who broke it apart, so I I don't know. But my first immediate thought is that that was Nagling's gem, but who knows? It's an interesting idea. I, I just, for me, like, the idea that someone could have broken Nagling apart seems almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, Bechel maybe could have done it. Yeah. Um, no, I, I hear you. Galbatorix could have done it, maybe. Yeah. But even, even, even Galbatorix to me is a, maybe he could have done it. Yeah. Hmm. And then where's the rest of the sword? Like, and why would you break apart that sword? It's a good question. Because you have to do it intentionally. There's no way it accidentally broke. So if it is Nagling's well, it diamond... Well, fall from thousands so? of kilometers in the sky, but yeah. So, like, it's an indestructible blade. It's got... I, I think that you could fucking throw one of Runon's swords off of a dragon at any height, down the spire, and you would find it at the bottom. It would look pristine. Maybe, yeah. I'm going to tweet at him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tweet at Paolinian esque because I need to know. Yeah. Um, just sh- we'll, we'll we'll text him. Yeah, sure, because I have his number. Uh, Did he not give you his number? No. He gave me his number. Wait, what? No, oh, I was like, so what? <laughs> the fuck? Um, no. uh, yeah, so we find all the cool shit. Uh, there's uh, a door, like you said, that where with wards that he drains um, and fills up the yellow diamond and makes it hot to the touch. Uh, yeah. And he goes through that door. Yeah, I know, because Brahm's sword... 
holds like 15 years worth of Braum putting all of his energy into you it. You mean his ring? His ring. Aaron. I don't think that a rider sword would be hot to the touch from whatever the amount of energy in that door but is. Er, uh, but Glader and Ormus said that they spent the last hundred years funneling every iota of extra energy plus the energy from the elves that they had to spare. Right, so I don't think that door would have enough energy in it to compare to that. Like, I don't think that, like... I, I think that that would be a negligible addition to what is already there in order to affect the gem of a rider sword. Maybe, maybe. I, I otherwise, this otherwise this door has, like, the energy of what? Like, a city? Did they drain a city's life force? Is this I fucking, like, Full that, Metal Brotherhood? I just figured that the sword was already, like, full when they went into battle because, like, you know, they have to have some kind of limit on them, but I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. That's tough. That's really tough. Yeah, I'm very curious. Um, anyways, moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, he goes through the final door. There's a door as well with the, one of those mask impressions in it. Mm-hmm. And he tries to, like, use wood to, like, pre- like, like mold a key kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but he breaks the door. <laughs> he thrice does a little too hard. Um, That's what she said. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> thrice does a little too hard. Uh, this is my thrice to trap. Oh my god. Um uh, so he finds a room with the, the a cage and a blanket in it. Um and nothing else. And is like, well that's weird. Can't feel any mind presences. I love that the kid doesn't leave immediately, but, but like, attacks him. <laughs> waits for Silma? But, but also like Silma, like he's like looking around for a bit. And it's not until he turns to leave that Selna attacks. Yeah, I would have like fuck you. If my plan was to attack I would have been like, when the door opens, and then start running. Yeah. yeah. But she like she could have snuck out, and Murtag would have never fucking noticed. She yeah. could have just dipped. She's also a baby. Uh, but she goes at his face. Oh yeah, she she goes to a fuck him up. Uh, guys, don't fuck with the weird cats. They will don't. come for you. Uh, yeah, even the even the little weird cats. Unless you're Angela, then you can then cheap you cheap can, them. But yeah, do whatever you want, I guess. Uh, but he's like, Silna, please, I am here to help you. Stop that. And he, like, is, like, holding her, and she does not like that. So he, like, lets her go, and is, like, can we work together, please? I'm trying to, like, mm-hmm. get you out of here. Um, so they go to leave, and uh, our fucking boy, Esvar, is, like, yeah, I uh, heard some stuff. So I went and got the guard, and uh, super weird. We're going to go check out what's down here. The Ranger God is there. Esvar's yeah. there. Uh, some Poor other Esfar, man. This just broke soldiers. my heart. Yeah. Because he really was like, he just wanted a friend. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's all he wanted was just a friend. He wanted a friend and he wanted, like, some cause that he believed was good to devote himself to. Yeah. And, and to, you know, make money for his family. Like, and, and Murtag just, like, the betrayal in his eyes is... Pretty harsh. So heartbreaking. Um... And Murtag's like, no, like, you really don't understand the situation here. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't, right? Like, no. it, it is fair to say that he doesn't. Yeah. Reno, Nevada is not a good dude. Um, so they, they fight. Uh, he, um, he fucks up the other guards. He doesn't kill them. No. Um, and then... Because he knows they're not bad. Yeah. Or, and, well, he hopes they're not bad. Yeah. And then he fights the magician, overwhelms him, and the magician passes out. Mm-hmm. The magician gets so fucking scared, he literally faints. Um, and, um, he, uh, he fights Esfar, and, um, 
probably fatally stabs him, but then heals him before leaving. Um, yeah. And he's like, hey, yeah, sorry about it. You just, you don't, you you have no idea what you've, what you've gotten into. And apparently neither do I. Uh, so him and Selna uh, run off through the, the tunnels. Um, they're like running around underground Gilead like all night long. Because every city in Alagasia has an underground tunnel system. Yeah. Pretty much. Drosleona. Gilead. <laughs> Gilead. Absolutely. The big ones, 100,000%. Ogrebane yeah. had secret tunnels and doors. Secret tunnels. Exactly. Um, Through the mountain. When they finally get out of the tunnels, Silna fucks off. Yeah. She fully runs away. And Murtag is like, well, I better still get the information that I want. Because I, I held my end of the bargain. It's not my fault Silna's a No, I need to take idiot. you to Candelabra. Yeah. Um, so he goes, he goes back to, uh, Candela Obscura and is like, <laughs> if you donate a certain, uh, one of our goals is that next year I'm going to run a three part Candela Obscura creepy. Three part. We'll see. We'll see. No, it'll be three parts. I think so. Yeah. I have an idea for it. So it's going to be three parts. Okay. Yeah. Okay. There's a part one, a part that. two, a part three. It'll be fun. Uh, we'll, we'll create our own little circle. Uh, and, uh, we will, we'll do a little Candela Obscura stream here on the Nerdy Nightly. So Hell donate yeah. here, uh, at the link in the chat. Yeah. Command donate and command charity will both bring up those links if you do want them. Oh, do they both? Yeah. Great. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, yeah. So we, uh, we get, uh. He goes back to Carabelle <laughs> and Silna is <Yeah>. there. <laughs> like. Um, he does yeah. notice that there's a lot of guards running around, you know, yeah. Gilead. They're looking but, for him. Yeah, they were looking for him. Yeah, Command Charity didn't do any. Oh, no, it did. Yeah, it just Go takes ahead. a second. Um, yeah, it's slow. The bot, sleepy. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they go back to, uh, Carabelle and, uh, Selna is there. Uh, we find out that, uh, Selna is Carabelle's daughter. Um, yeah. and that she's like, if you hadn't have shown up, we would have taken all the fucking weirdcats and we would have forced our way in there because fuck these guys for taking our children. And uh, fair. You know what? Fair. Fair. Look. Fair. So Murtite showing up was a blessing. Yeah. Um, they exchange information. They exchange secrets. They bargain. Uh, he's like, yeah, there was an egg. Uh, and he was, she's like, yep, that's a Razak egg. Definitely very no good. Very bad no good. Um, and also reveals that uh, the member of Gada that fainted had one of those amulets, yeah. the bird amulets around his neck, and, which she didn't know. That's that's a very bad sign because um, those amulets are bad news. Um, and she tells Murtag about Bashel. Bashel. Yeah, and the, the dreamers uh, up in the north somewhere. Nalgorgoth. Um, yeah, you know, this is... Uh, it's it's probably not a good time. Carabelle doesn't know everything, but she knows enough that it's not a good time. Not a good time. Uh, <laughs> That's fair. You know yeah. what? Not a good time. Not a good time. Uh, a long time, but not a good time. <laughs> um, is there any other information that they exchange that is vital? Uh, yeah. They they uh, Murtag decides that he's gonna go up there and deal with the Nal Gorgoth situation. Well. Uh, first he decides, first he decides he's going to go to Nasuata. He's like, you know what? I think it's time. Mm -hmm. I think we should go to Nasuata, let her know what's going on. He uh, writes a letter for Carabelle as well uh, to send to her and is like, I think, I, I think we gotta, I think we gotta go talk to her. Yeah. Before that can happen, <laughs> uh, Murtag's on his way out and runs into Lyrith, his old bully. <laughs> 
Am I missing anything that happens before that? Because I think that's Does he go to Lyrith before Carabelle? Nope. After. I have this all backwards in my head. Yeah, so he goes to Lyrith. He runs into Lyrith, and Lyrith is like, oh my god. Mark he co-signs a letter or... with Carabelle. Yes. Yeah, to, yeah. To, to Nasuada. Uh, make sure that it's him. Is like, huh, there's some suspicious things going on. Gonna check it out. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, just want to, you know, give you a heads up to be wary. Be on yeah. the watch. Don't get hurt. And then uh, he <laughs> he's like, how is she going to know that this is from me and it's not a lie? And he basically writes equivalent of like, if you know, you know at the bottom. Pretty much, yeah. From what he like said to her in the room in Inheritance. If you, know, you want to know if it's me, you know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cute. I'm in love with you. Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah, there's, like, some people gossiping about Nasuada and how she's gonna have to, like, get married and, like, have an heir. And Murtagh's like... It's like the Arthur meme with the fist clench. She's like... Uh, <laughs> poor Murtagh. Um, so, yeah, Lyrith runs into him and is like, come with me, I will help you out. Um, and takes him to this, like, shitty-looking place that's beautiful inside. Um, that was clearly a hideout used by the Forsworn, uh, when, um, when they were trying to meet without Galbatoris knowing. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's 13 chairs around the table. Very ominous. Obviously, it's the Forsworn. Uh, and they sit down. They yeah. have some delicious pastries. And Lyrith is like, hey, so, we're not going to talk about the fact that I bullied you. How about, how, how about you become king? Yeah. I'll help you. There's some other people. We'll we'll help you out. You know this whole Nasuada thing ain't gonna last very long. So how about you just you know, you be another Rider King? And Murtag is like, no. <laughs> like, That's a terrible idea. No thanks. The fuck is wrong with you? No and, thanks. And, we already got <laughs> one. We don't need another one. It's already been done. <laughs> Literally. And Lyrith is like, ah, damn, that's too bad. And he presses a button, and Murtag falls into something called a tangle box, which sounds like a literal nightmare. Mm -hmm. Um, it's like a box that like squeezes and compresses you and makes this really loud noise, so you can't concentrate on casting spells. Specifically designed to capture and kill spellcasters. It just plays a rickroll, but like really loud. Never gonna give so you. So you drop in the box and it starts to compress, and all you hear is. It's great. And he's like, I can't use magic. I got rickrolled. I can't think. Um. Uh, he's like, I can't think of the ancient language, so I'm going to cast wordless magic mm -hmm. instead. And he just says, he thinks stop, which stops the, the rick rolling. Yeah. Uh, the, the music turns he off. He does give it up. Uh, yeah, but he's still being, like, squished and suffocated to death. Yeah. Um, and passes the fuck out and comes to, because Thorn flies in and saves it. Thorn's like, I flew very fast. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you always in danger? Yeah, yeah. Takes him out of the tangle box, and this is this this sequence is so dark. Yeah. Because Thorn breaks into the house, and the house starts crumbling onto Thorn. Yeah. And that like triggers his PTSD claustrophobia, and Thorn goes feral. Um, Murtag cannot communicate with him mentally. He is ruled by his fear and like a, a rational but also irrational fear like he's yeah. obviously not in the cage that Galbatorx put him in but like it's still that that tr trauma response from yeah. being held by Galbatorx for so long 
it's so heartbreaking. Thorn freaks out. Freaks the fuck out. And, like, lights Gilead on fire to get out of there. Like, books it. Burns down, like, a, like, community. Yeah. 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 Uh, people probably die. They don't know for sure. But, like, most they likely. Do. Yeah. They're, like, there's no way. There's no way they got out of that uh, unscathed. Um, yeah. It's, it's tragic. And it's. It's heartbreaking. It's what I love about. Christopher Paolini's writing, right? Yeah. Is that this world is real to these characters in a way that their traumas are so deeply ingrained in them that it causes them to do the wrong thing so clearly, right? It is so clearly the wrong thing. And yet you completely understand why this dragon who had the childhood that it has, because this dragon's only, what, like a year blame, and eight months old? Yeah, you can't blame Thorn. Um this dragon has only lived for so long mm -hmm. and you end up in uh arzu brings up it's like safira's first flight with aragon and yeah. it is without yeah. the fire obviously but yeah um the fear and well and and aragon's inability to control uh, can communicate yeah. through it uh the the way that christopher paolini allows the traumas that he puts his characters through to affect their actions mm -hmm. is so brilliant and allows the world to feel so real and for these characters to be so three-dimensional that i i just i love it it, it it is fully fleshed out writing in a way that I think is so fucking good. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I just, I, as, as dark and as like difficult as this scene is, I have no complaints about the way that it goes down because I'm like, yeah, I felt it. I felt this in my bones. Yeah. And that's what I want from writing, right? I want fantasy writing to take the fantastical and make it relatable. And I, I related to a dragon so hard in this moment. And yeah. I was like, oh, fuck, this is good. It's so bad for him. Yeah. And again, with the parallels, like, this Gilead is the city that Sephira ripped the roof off of to yeah. get to Aragon. And it is the same city where Thorn ripped the roof off of his house to, to get to Murtai. Yeah. Um, which I just, like, it's so clever. It's And it's not like blatant like it's it's it yeah it's just it's it's well done and they're um, very different situations one is drugged yeah. with so he can't use magic the other is getting rickrolled in the basement yeah. of the Forsworn's old house getting rickrolled sucks yeah it's terrible uh <laughs> it is the worst thing that can happen to a person truly the worst thing other than being tortured as a young dragon and made into a claustrophobic um yeah forced into a small danger. hole with murder holes and they stab you with the spears and you can't do anything about it it's, it's fucked up. Murtag uh, like recalls Thorn's like first, first days, first weeks, first months as like a hatchling, and it is so heartbreaking. Yeah, it really is. Um, and, but get, it's so well written. Like, yeah, we, we get, it allows you to feel everything about it deeply. Yeah, yeah. We get more details about that later, mm -hmm. um, which yeah. we will talk about. But yeah, this this like fear that Thorn has of enclosed spaces. Because of Galbatorix is yeah, it's so heartbreaking. So they, they fly away from Gilead. Mm -hmm. Um, it's several hours before they can commun can communicate again. He's just trying to send Thorn soothing thoughts, even though Murtag is also very upset. Yeah. Because he knows people got hurt, but he doesn't want Thorn to feel worse about it because he knows it's not Thorn's fault. Like their relationship is is so complicated and um, relatable. Um, and uh, they fly, they fly, um, they fly somewhere safe. And they're they're able to rest. You know, they got information that they needed. Yeah. They got out. They're they they are alive. Um. And Thorn is like, I want I want to work on this. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna practice <laughs> facing my fears. Mm -hmm. Um. And so the next day, they like find a thicket of trees, and Murtai kind of walks in and encourages Thorn to follow him. 
and uh, Thorn has a tough time. He can't do it. Yeah, he 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 can kind of a little bit, but like that fear is so strong um, that he's he the way that he describes it like breaks my heart. He's like, I feel like I'm going to die. Like, he's like, I can't. I cannot do this. Um, and um, they, they work on it as they fly north towards, uh, towards the dreamers. Um, try to work on it every day when, when they can. Sometimes it's better and sometimes it's worse. Yeah. It's definitely not easy, but, like, Thorn is trying. Um, and I, that's, like, yeah, yeah. Thor- Thorn might be, like, my new favorite character. Yeah, because he's so complex. Yeah, yeah. He's so funny as well. He's got a great sense of humor. Like, he's hilarious, but he's so traumatized. And, like, ugh, my heart breaks for him. It's so good. It's so well written. I asked Paolini, I was like, did you, like, do you know anyone with claustrophobia? Like, I'm curious, like, how you're able to write this. He's like, no, I just, like, you know, it's, it's, like, fear itself is an experience, right? And, like, I think that's why, you know, I don't have claustrophobia, but, like, we can all relate to those, like, moments of panic and fear that kind of overwhelm us. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Murtag realizes that because of Thorne's actions, yeah. he can't go to Naswada. Yeah. Because the word of his destruction in Gilead will have reached the city, and um, yeah. he doesn't know what kind of welcome he would get, given everything. And he doesn't want to put Naswada in that position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which I understand. And so uh, he's like, let's go to Nalgorgoth. Let's deal with this. And Thorne kind of is like, why? You've why? told Naswada, why is this our job? And Thorne, uh, or Murtag says, like, if there is going, if I'm going to get stabbed in the back, I would rather turn around, like, face it and know that it's coming. If there is a danger in the night, I want to know what that danger is. I yeah. don't want to just wait until it is too late for me to, like, you know, yeah. do something about it. If we live our lives in ignorance yeah. and just, you know, turn a blind eye to what's happening in the world, it will bite us in the ass one day. Yeah. And Especially since this is a world where you do have enemies. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, yeah, they head towards Nalgorgoth. They have this flight. Uh, this is where we saw the Urgul villages that we talked about at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, I love the inquisitiveness in Murtag in this. Yeah. I love the, like, oh, maybe I need to spend time with them. Oh, he, yeah, he's, like, he, like, is surprised to realize that he would actually like to talk to an Urgul. Yeah. And, like, find out about them. Because um, he never had that chance, right? We we saw that relationship that Aragon got to have with, like, Nargarshvog. Um, yeah. But, obviously, Murtag, not present for that. Um, and so he is still kind of just as much in the dark as Aragon was. Yeah. Um, and also, the di- again, the difference between Aragon and Murtag is Aragon is almost forced into having to accept the Urgles in a way. Yeah. A- and then only once he's been in their minds, he really understands and can, like, let that go. But Murtag is, like, fully willing to, like, have a conversation with the Urgles yeah. and, like, learn more about them. Murtag, Murtag loves learning. He's so inquisitive. Um... Aragon is too, but in a different way, where Aragon just, like, doesn't stop asking questions. But Murtag actually, like, seems to seek out the information that he needs in a different way. Aragon also had to. Yeah, yeah, I I feel like Murtag more wants to. Yeah, but Murtag is also, like, a poet. I love that he loves dancing. He's like, the only thing I loved about Galvatrox's court was dancing. Yeah, and he makes up these poems while he's flying on Thorn, because he's got nothing else to do. They're so bad. Well, the the one the the one was pretty. He good. gets one eventually. Yeah. But some of them are like. Well, there's one that he's like, I'm not even gonna write this down because it wasn't good. You know, it's not good. But some of them remind me of like like 
teenagers writing like my heart is black as coal my blood is red like my the stains on the ketchup packets of my life he's very he's a very emotional sad boy sure it's like the fantasy equivalent but i guess i like the one that he comes up with when they're flying towards yeah, um, yeah. nagorgoth but um yeah <laughs> They're just very emotional. Yeah, some of them are are uh, funny. Um, That's yeah. where the reading leads us this week. We're yeah, going to talk much. about the rest of the book next week. They get to the place where the, the earth smells bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, the beginning of it, the beginning of it. Yeah, and uh, that's where we pick up next week for a book club. Yes. Yeah. Clarus, um, should we just jump right into high-low for this week? Yeah, if chat has any questions, anything that we missed that you wanted us to touch on, uh, mm -hmm. now's the time to let us know. Um, but uh, Shafika brings up that yeah. they like the um, he's trying to control his thoughts so not to feel Thorn feel worse. Yeah. That really is a, a great indicator of the relationship between Thorn and Murtag in this book. Yeah, that yeah. Murtag is very upset, mm -hmm. but like, but doesn't want to make Thorn feel worse for no reason. Like, there's if there's one thing that I cannot stand in like relationships that I see, mm -hmm. it's when. Uh, someone will try and make their partner or their friend like feel worse about a situation where like they already have acknowledged that like maybe they fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I Absolutely. mean? Like they made a mistake. There's no point in just like shitting all over them for it. There's no point. It, it doesn't also, help anyone. The, the interesting thing about the dragon rider relationship is that for the most part, the, the relationship starts as parent child and Murtag is kind of more of a parent to like? Thorn than a friend right now. Because Thorn is a barely over a year old. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so, yes, he's gone through a lot in that year. And, yes, he has, like, dragon memories and all of that stuff. But his his muscle memory for how to behave doesn't isn't fully formed yet. He's so young. Yeah. And so there there is almost a, like, parental unit that you have to become first. Um and, the, you know, they, I think that by the end of this book, they start to grow out of that and become more equals, and much in the same way that Aragon and Saphira did. But at this point, I think that there's still some parental necessity needed in the relationship. Yeah. Because Thorne is just, he, he doesn't have life experiences. He has memories. <laughs> he's, just, he's just a little guy. He's a little guy. <laughs> um, and that, that makes the relationship between those characters interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh, Arzu, uh, we didn't talk about the light spell. Yeah, Murtag's trying to experiment with some magic. Yeah. Um, he, him and Aragon really need to have a conversation. Uh, Murtag, he, Mur, he, they really do. They really need to. Like, I get yeah. that Murtag wants to do his own thing, but he needs to go learn <laughs> some need, shit. Yeah, you need to, yeah. Because you, the Regna will beat him in a fight eventually. Well, or, or Murtag is just going to fucking explode a, a, a town and not realize it. Like, he, yeah. like, ex is experimenting with this light spell. Um, oh, because he finds, that's the other thing he finds in the, like, tunnels, is the dictionaries. Right, he finally gets of, words. Of magic words, very cool. Yeah. Um, and he, like, fully, like, creates an explosion. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that happened, I'm sure there's, like, a physics uh, He's He's messing thing. around with the energy of light, and, yeah. it, like, I, I it, it comes from the idea of people not, in the past, not understanding like we know now that light is just energy is right energy. we know that but they don't and yeah. so in his manipulation of energy which he's interested in yeah he uses light and light is a lot of energy and he creates basically a bomb well it almost felt like one of the flameless lanterns that wasn't contained 
Interesting. That's a nice touch. Yeah. Yeah, that like the elves and the dwarves made yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Um, because the dwarven craftsmanship was able to like capture that energy, but Murtag just kind of like released it like a bomb. Yeah. Um, luckily nobody died, but like it could have been bad. Shafika says yes. His refusal to go to Aragon for help was frustrating. Uh, agreed. I agree. But he's a frustrating character. Frustrating, but I I understand it. Necessary. As, as well. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I'm yeah, yeah. like, fuck, I get it. But, like, he's like, I know Aragon would say yes if I asked, and that pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right, I sad get it. Boy. I hate asking for help. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We I think a lot of us do, and I think that we all should ask for help more often than we do. Probably. Probably. Probably, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and so uh, that is that's Murtag Part One. Yeah, this was fun. I this book was good. It's great. Yeah, I I there's so much that I really enjoy in this book, and also as an addition to the Inheritance Cycle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well done. Fantastic. I hope you guys are enjoying it as much as we are. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to talk about the rest of it next week. It'll be probably less fun to talk about than the first half. Uh, just a warning: this book it gets, gets dark. dark. It gets dark. Yeah. 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 Just so you know. If you haven't finished it yet and you're like, oh no, what is my, am I up for like a fun rip rolling, Rick rolling adventure? No. The the second half of this book is dark, uh, but in a way that I think um, allows for the world to feel as dangerous as it did yes. during uh, the inheritance cycle, which is important. If we're going to keep getting stories here, I, I feel like you have to kind of find a way to uh, have the stakes that the inheritance cycle had. And that's what the second half of this book really builds really well. Can't wait to talk about it next week. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Clarus, uh, what was your high? My high for this first section... Um, this is going to be like kind of like a weird one. But my high was like reading the scene with Essie and then going back and reading the Fork story. And, uh, oh, I love like, that. Like comparing this scene... Mm-hmm. With two very different perspectives from the two important characters in it. And Essie's train of thought and Murtag's train of thought. Like, you know, the what you didn't get in the fork was Murtag worrying about Essie's, like, safety yeah. because of the burn. And then we didn't get, like, Murtag, like, taking Essie, like, very seriously. Like, like they're having this same scene told from two different perspectives. So it's kind of a high for, like, both books. Sorry about it. But mm-hmm. I, I actually, I loved that. Um, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was really fun to analyze. And um, I, I had a blast reading it. What is your low? Uh, yeah, we do her high, my low, her low, my high. So we compliment sandwich the book. Yeah. Uh, my low for this section... That's tough. It's a lot of it's really fun. I, I think that maybe just that Murtag doesn't reach out for help when he realizes how big the problem is. Yeah. Um. And just because of the other people that are in danger, this isn't really just about him, uh, but he makes it about him as sort of this like way of trying to make up for his past failings. And in doing so, he puts more people in danger. Um, and you know that just is frustrating to watch, but it's it's also good writing. So it's 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 my low for like my experience of it, but not for like the writing of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, because you're like I totally understand, and it checks out for this character. I'm just frustrated with Murtag like, in this book a lot. Yeah, and I but I get why I'm frustrated with him. Like I understand why it's written that way, and I think yeah. that like if I wasn't, it would be too easy. But it doesn't change my experience of it. Yeah, yeah. My low is that we didn't get Murtag asking Thorn for a scale. <laughs> Oh, and like his anger. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that would have been a great moment. Yeah. Um, but that's that's okay. What's your high? Espar. 
Uh, just as a character, I really, really liked Esfar. Okay. I was attached to him very quickly mm-hmm. uh, and really just, I enjoyed the interaction between them and uh, I, I liked that it really built up a genuine regret in Murtag that wasn't just like, oh, I have to break my oath, but it went deeper into like, oh, I'm letting down this very kind boy who's, yeah. you know, never done anything to me. Yeah. But I have to. And I just, I found like the moral complication of that really wonderful. Yeah. And well-written. And it just, um, it made me so sad, but uh, in a really great way. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. Yeah. 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 No, I think that that, I, I think he, he is, Yeah. He's not there for a long time, but I think that he definitely has an impact, mm-hmm. which matters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is our highs and lows. Uh, if you like this uh, podcast, uh, give it five stars on uh, Apple Music or Apple Podcast, whatever the fuck, Spotify, <laughs> all those places. Uh, if you like this show uh, and you watch on YouTube, like and subscribe, do all the dang things, hit the dislike button, leave me in comments down below because the algorithm god is hungry and we must feed her. This episode, that algorithm goddess is. Uh, Essie. Yeah, Essie, I hope you grow up to have a wonderful life. Yeah. Um, Use and I'm that glad. For good. I'm glad that uh, Murtag didn't, like, give you a curse like Elba. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, if you want to follow us around the internet, you can. I'm at Nerdy Nightly. I'm at Clarice Polaris. As always, do something nerdy tonight. Yeah, and come back on Saturday for the Roleplay Relay 2. That's right. This podcast is brought to you by MissyMountainGaming.com. Use code NerdyNightly15 for 15% off your dice and accoutrement purchase. Clarus, where would you have added sex? Um, How do we smut corner this? Look, here's the thing. I think that, like, Murtag has been alone for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, like, Elena should have been there. And they, they should have just, like, boned down before he met with Carabelle. See, I was thinking, like, maybe him and Candelabra could have had a little bit of a, like, trading of information. species relationship? Why not? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I feel Are like you it... against werecat sex? No, I just, I wonder if it, like, functionally would work the same way. I don't know. Do male werecats have barbed penises? Oh, that's a good question. I hope not. Yeah. That sounds awful. Cat penises are a nightmare. Yeah, no, don't look it up. Don't look yeah. it up. Yeah. I, it's um, tough. There's not a lot of places where you can add sex in this. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know how to smut corner this book. Um. I really don't. Like, there's not really a good place. <laughs> no, I think that's kind of it. Yeah. We'll end on, do male werecats have barbed penises? I love that for us. Do something nerdy tonight. Oh, wait. You talk for a second. Yeah. I have to go end it over there. Yeah. So. Make sure oh. you come check out the roleplay relay. We have trophies to give away. Trophies for, not for you, sorry, fuck you, but for the players. Okay, bye!